The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Fed can just print more money out of thin air, but the government's always going to be in debt to the Fed. Before Epstein was the Franklin cover-up. Before that, the Finders, and long before that, the Cleveland Street Scandal. Pedalgate Primer is a concise intro and overview of the growing child abuse epidemic worldwide. It features shocking instances of institutional and organizational pedophilia throughout history. Churches, cults, and the world of arts and entertainment, the government, NGOs, charities, and major corporations are complicit or culprit in many instances. Pedalgate Primer delves into material that for many may seem like stuff of conspiracy theory. For this reason, the book draws on academic sources, declassified documents, and other reliable sources, and steers clear of conjecture. Such shocking true stories need no embellishment. Philip Fairbanks is a writer with 20 years publishing experience covering entertainment media news reporting. His work has appeared in the peer-reviewed journal of Art After Image, CUNY's graduate newspaper, The Advocate, UK's Morning Star newspaper, Australia's New Dawn magazine, Ghetto Blaster magazine, New Noise magazine, Paranoia magazine, The Goldwater, and several other print and online publications. He spent years researching and covering online child grooming, the Jeffrey Epstein case, MK Ultra, the Finder's Cult, and several other topics that are discussed in the Pedogate Primer. Now, of course, that's a quick description of the book, Pedogate Primer, The Politics of Pedophilia, author Philip Fairbanks, who I was lucky enough to have on with uh, another guest that's appeared on the show before. This was James Grunman, who introduced the two of us. And uh, that guy always brings some really interesting perspective to any show that he's on. Really, really good dude. Um, ex-addict. I guess once you're an addict, you're always an addict, but he's fighting through it and he's doing a good job. Uh, staying sober. Actually, he's the first person that I heard about Kratom from. And now I'm hearing about Kratom all over the place. So I think that the guy puts a lot of energy and effort into staying sober and trying to do something good with his sobriety. So he's going to be starting a podcast. I don't know if he wants me to mention it to the world yet. I, if, if so, um, he mentions it towards the end, but uh, I don't want to spoil the surprise. And if you are a fan of Nephrectomy, which is James Grunman's band, 
Um, really, really cool, dude. Like just the kind of a conspiratorial undertone to some headbanging, like hardcore, heavy metal type music. I mean, I it's hard to describe. I call it hardcore music. Um, I don't know exactly what he calls it, but um, it's the stuff with, that's got all the great images, right? Uh, my Christian listeners probably don't like the images that are shown on the albums and the album titles and the the song titles. But uh, man, is it great music. And uh, the guy's a talented, talented artist. His band is dope. They've got some really great merch. And what I'm really excited about for them is they're doing a little mini tour June 24th, 25th, and 26th in Texas. So they're going to be hitting San Antonio, Corpus Christi, and Houston. So if you want to uh, check that out, you can go to uh, El Chapo Gonzo on Instagram. And then Nephrectomy Band Official, I believe, is their uh, band page, actually. Let me just double check. I should have done this before. Uh, Yeah, Nephrectomy Official. So no band, just Nephrectomy Official. And uh, if you need help spelling that, it's just like it sounds. It's literally uh, the process of a kidney removal. That's the surgery. So it's very easy to find the name. Uh, Nephrectomy Official there. And um, back to Philip Fairbanks a little bit, man. The guy was really interesting to talk to. Um, and I think that the three of us just had an insanely diverse conversation. Um, we're similar in age, uh, obviously different backgrounds. We all grew up in different areas of the country. Philip is now located in the Philippines right now, which is uh, something I didn't even think about. You know, as we're talking here late at night over in Tucson, it's daylight out where he's at. And I didn't even think to ask him, you know, hey, where the heck are you? It just kind of came up organically. And uh, just a, a really, really cool things that we got into. We got into, uh, you know, the old culture um, and the influences that were pushed on us as kids, you know, whether it be in elementary school, middle school, high school, um, like the jackass stuff, the CKY, the culture of kind of being a white punk, you know what I mean? Um, as we talk about, you know, all these different cultures, whether it's like, you know, the Latin Americans, the African Americans, the whiteies. Um, we all had violence kind of pushed on us from a fairly early age. And it was in a very kind of sort of a comedic way for the white population through, like I said, Jackass and Bam Margera and all the crazy antics that they were up to. And we touch on a lot of the things kind of just a hundred percent organically that are in Pedogate primer. I learned about the Cleveland street scandal um, which is an old, old thing that was going down, um, really, really tying in with pedophilia, lots of rent boys, which is, I don't know if that's where the term rent boy was created, but um, when these episodes run long like this, and I don't intend on them doing that, they're a really incredible conversation, and uh, it was just re- a really an honor to meet these guys. I listened to a few episodes uh, with Philip involved afterwards. And uh, the guy's a the guy's a talker, man. He's a he's fun to listen to. Um, like I said, James is always good to talk to. Throws his two cents in when it's absolutely you know a, a great time to add it. And uh, always always brings a cool cool concept to the topic. And if you do like hearing Philip Fairbanks talk, he's going to be starting a podcast, which I know for a fact he does plug at the end. Um, and it's called Walking the Wire Podcast. And it sounds like they already have some great interviews lined up. You can go to walkingthewirepod.com to check that out. Um, they're going to be talking with like ex-FBI, I think even a present FBI, um, people that are all kind of these different aspects of life. And they're going to kind of tie it into the show, The Wire, it seems like. 
Um, it's a great concept, really niche. But I, I mean that that show, The Wire, uh, Obama's favorite TV show. But uh, that's almost not even a TV show. It kind of transcends a TV show. It's a culture on its own. Um, really gritty, really real. Um, not gonna lie, I haven't seen much of the show, but I just hear nothing but like how insanely deep and um, troubling it is because it is kind of like the dark underbelly of society shown in the show. And if you remember the first episode that James and I did together, uh, we talked about fentanyl and we talked about how he had some issues with that. And he saw a lot of really, really horrible things go on. And he actually references the wire. And he says, dude, like the bus stops here in Colorado will look like something that you'd see out of the wire. You know what I mean? So just kind of a really cool, like synchronistic matchup that we all had. And uh, just can't thank James enough for introducing me to Philip. I consider him a new friend in the uh, in the game here as far as podcasting and trying to get out the truth and trying to, uh, you know, bring some justice to the damn world, man. But uh, long enough episode here. I don't want to gush too much over these two beautiful dudes. And uh, so let's just roll into it, guys. You know, I do have to plug Patreon. This is such a long episode. And we didn't get into uh, Pedogate Primer itself until towards the end. So I don't want to cut that off and just throw that on Patreon because although I appreciate the people that are on there the most out of all you, um, I wanted him his work to get out to a wide audience. I Like I said, I did not plan on it going this long. It just organically did. So head to patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast. As always, when I don't put the end portion of the episodes on that lowest tier, I cook something up for you guys. It'll be something good. I'm working on all kinds of crazy, weird, uh, more occult stuff, more uh, of the the secret religion type things. Um, I'm doing. I'm working on right now a really great episode about BlackRock. We're gonna go pretty deep into that. Um, gonna be a solo episode, so I get a lot of good feedback. Those are supposedly the most uh, informational episodes that we do. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate your support over there at Dangerous World podcast um or i'm sorry patreon.com slash dangerous world podcast i say it enough i should know it off the top of my head it's late i'm a little sleepy um dangerousworldstore.com for your t-shirts um still selling a few t-shirts every month over there not as much as when i was constantly making new designs but we'll be working on some more stuff also working on some free stuff for you guys uh not necessarily t-shirts but more digital content so uh, stay tuned. You'll be uh, posted on all that stuff, man, especially if you're a Patreon supporter. Um, you'll be getting like first access to these digital things and uh, just really, really appreciate everything that you guys do over there on both those platforms. And I haven't mentioned to you guys in a couple episodes, Operation Tinfoil. OK, go to where You'll get $10 off of EMF protective beanies. They're incredibly, incredibly quality made high high freaking quality stuff over there at where tinfoil.com and the dude that runs the company is just an incredibly nice guy seems like he got into the business because he actually is concerned with the harmful emf radioactive waves that are being pumped into the atmosphere who knows what kind of effect it's going to have on us you got bluetooth you got wi-fi you got the cell phone signals you got the 5g towers you're just being hit from all sides and um, it, it is a dope freaking hat, too. Um, you can see the silver inside the hat, so you know it's no BS. You throw your your uh, phone inside the hat, it's going to cut off your cell, your cell phone signal. And uh, you just feel a little safer wearing it, you know what I mean? And uh, one thing that is cool about it, it is warming up. 
but I can even still wear this thing in Tucson, Arizona, as of right now, at least. And uh, sometimes I'll just forget I'm wearing the darn thing. So again, weartinfoil.com, $10 off of the highest quality EMF protective beanie that you'll ever find, guys. So um, with that being said, really hope that you enjoy this episode with James Grunman and Philip Fairbanks. Um, Really, really fun conversation, guys. So let me know what you think. And please support both their works. You know, you can buy some merch over there from uh, Mr. Grunman and Nephrectomy. Uh, really, really cool stuff, especially if you like that uh, whole culture behind that, you know, like heavy metal, um, hardcore, all that good stuff. Um, I love the how you can't read the, the you know, words on the bands unless you know what the band is. And like you kind of just become you know, educated on what the logo looks like of the letters. But then if you know what you're looking for, you can see what it says. You know what I mean? It's just, I mean, Knights of the Abyss did this out of Arizona, Elijah, one of my favorite old uh, hardcore bands. Um, it was just a thing that just kind of, I don't know where it started, who started it, but it was just such a dope idea. And other, you know, musicians and other companies are adopting that same style. So nonetheless, just go check it out. They have a Bandcamp website and, um, Obviously, you can go to Amazon, you can purchase uh, Pedalgate Primer, um, and you can hear Philip Fairbanks on a lot of other podcasts where he probably goes deeper into the book if you want to learn more about the book. Um, but I think that you get a great idea of the character of both these guys in this episode, where they stand politically or apolitically, or uh, just, I mean, all kinds of things. You really learn about a lot about these guys, and that's why I consider them both friends, especially after this episode with James and, uh, you know, Philip. So, guys, Enjoy the episode. You'll be hearing from you very soon. Thanks for your support over there at Patreon. Talk soon, guys. Enjoy the show. All right, guys. Pretty excited for this sort of uh, almost kind of an impromptu conversation. Uh, James obviously has been on the show, and we talked about fentanyl. And you guys might have seen him on Monday Night Master Debaters. This was a fun conversation that we had. It's always a good time talking with you, Mr. James Grunman. Uh, lead singer of nephrectomy man so i'm really really happy to have you on again and you brought on a buddy and this is going to be a cool conversation because of course this is um philip fairbanks he's the uh author of a couple books but uh the one i think that we're going to be talking about a lot is uh pedo primer right pedophile primer what's the title of the book pedogate primer the politics of pedophilia which by the way if you're if you're excited about finding out that it's only the Republicans or only the Democrats, you're going to be really let down because it's not a Republican <laughs> thing. It's not a Democrat. It's not right. It's not left. It's a people in power getting away with stuff because they're in power kind of thing. It's a, it's a up versus down. It's not a left versus right thing. Right. Exactly. So so exactly. Pedogate Primer, that's a, a fascinating title. Um, I want to jump right into that, dude. Um pedogate right QAnon, all that mm-hmm. stuff do you uh, right first yeah, of all, yeah let's let's jump into this dude let's say i, I want to start with this because this is obviously i mean you and i have spoken for maybe a minute before you and i actually started recording here with james <laughs> right. do you believe in the whole QAnon thing is that is that something that you find some i think to? i think that there's some truth to the QAnon stuff like it's like alex jones though where it's like there's some truth and then there's some disinfo landmines you know? Mm. And what I try to tell people is like, you know, the line I use so often is, okay, like adrenochrome. You know, I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton doesn't like drink baby blood to stay young, 
I'm just saying that <laughs> if she does, she needs to change brands because it's not working. Okay. So okay. like, I don't know. I don't know about some of this stuff. And uh, for my, my book, because there's so much like, you know, it's great to preach to the choir, but the choir is already in the hallelujah chorus. So you really need to get the normies. You need to get the skeptics. You need to get the people on the fence. And you're not going to do that with like stuff that might be true. Like I said, I don't know. Like if I found out tomorrow, Hillary Clinton, it was involved in a ritual like child sacrifice. I'd be like, well, it doesn't surprise me that much, but there's no hard evidence of it. So it's not in my book. Like anything in my book, I, I use credible sources, FOIA documents, um you know it's all out there like most people don't take the time to like connect the dots is the thing uh but yeah um that that was actually one of the main reasons why i wrote the book i know a lot of QAnon folks i like i i'm that weird guy who like you know i've, I've got anarchists and socialists and communists and 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 maga people and QAnon people who follow me on twitter and it's like i, I kind of find that kind of cool because it's like what that proves to me is that there are certain topics that are so important mm. they transcend those stupid political boundaries that get the groundlings that get us proles fighting against each other and so yeah that's like you know uh despite the the subtitle the politics of pedophilia i try to keep it like apolitical as far as like in and this is the good guys and this is the bad guys i see i see democrats and republicans it's it's a uniparty duopoly. It is a coin and a coin has two sides, but it's not two coins, is it? You know, like, yeah. uh, as I heard somebody say on Twitter, like, you know, there's a left wing and a right wing in Congress, but it takes both of those wings for the plane to fly to little St. James Island. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, but part of why, I mean, <clears throat> you say it's apolitical, but I mean, really, it's what politics should be. We've been convinced through the corporate media and mm -hmm. through all this bullshit into thinking that politics is this fucking WWE fucking, yeah, exactly. you know, show. When, yeah, <laughs> when in reality, man, politics is about organizing like the labor movement, fucking working class politics has been dead for basically our entire generation. We're around the same age, yeah. you know? Uh -huh. So people yeah, don't yeah. understand that it's like, like how you said socialist MAGA people, I'll follow you. That's part of why I feel like your book is so important is because this transcends that, you know, back, back exactly. in the union days, all type of people worked together. Fucking there right. were times when black Panthers and KKK members fucking worked together to accomplish shit. You know, that's what right. fucking actual fucking, uh, <clears throat> Organizers. Sometimes things are bigger than than our differences. And if we could get past our differences for long enough to fix these issues, like like how fair is it that, you know, like two thirds to three quarters of America does not want new wars. They don't want to spend trillions of dollars on war. That's our tax money. Guns <laughs> and butter. You know what I mean? The basic economic principle, guns versus butter, where butter is social, you know, social services. You know, they talk about welfare queens. Dude, you, what, you mean Amazon or Walmart or the U.S. military? Because that's where your tax dollars are going. It's not going to food stamps, folks. Yeah. No. Even the majority of Republicans want fucking Medicare for all. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, <clears throat> yeah. This it's just is, basic but, stuff. It, yeah, but even the Democrats don't even vote it in. You know, we, we were mm -hmm. fucking brainwashed with AOC and this whole 
<laughs> fucking imaginary new wave and all that. Like, oh, I was right. bringing bro, yeah, not yeah. gonna lie. The squad. You know? Yeah, yeah, but then I, I still like Ilhan Omar. I really do. But <laughs> hey, uh, do you really? One of the only, yeah. She's one of the only pro Palestinian. Like, I've got things against her that whole bit with the trying to get rid of the genital mutilation law in a state where genital mutilation had occurred to a child. Like, I don't like that. But on the other hand, she's literally the only, like, really fervently pro-Palestine person in Congress. I mean, like, you know, people talk about AOC. And I'm like, for me, hey, I'm half Palestinian. The gold standard is, hey, so how do you feel about Palestine, Mr. Uh, Congressman, Mr. Senator, Mr. Mrs. President, you know? And then when they yeah. say, well, you know, we have to respect our allies in Saudi and Israel, and we don't want to upset the world order. Oh, so you're okay with the, the pregnant Palestinian unarmed woman who was shot last week, and that's not even the first time in the past five years. that not, I mean, a pregnant woman, multiple pregnant women over the past five years, have been shot in the street unarmed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So if you're not against that, I don't. I don't care right or left or or you know libertarian or green party until you are fervently against like you know certain human rights abuses and things and you know some other things we probably need like term limits. You know, yeah. like we 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 have a, a geritocracy. You know, Joe Biden is the only president from the silent generation. People make fun of boomers for being old. Dude, no, he's the dad. He's the boomer's dads. Yeah. He's, he's Gen X's granddad. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I, uh, James said something there, and then obviously, Philip, you agreed. Uh, and, and this is fascinating to me. Ilhan Omar. Um, obviously, the Palestinian issue hits close to home for you, Philip. Mm. Um, James, why, why do you see Ilhan Omar as a good candidate or at least someone that you, that you don't uh, diss on or whatever? You know what I mean? Really um, weird character to me. Uh, I mean, one, the Palestinian issue is really important to me. I think we we talked about that before. Yeah. Um, but and and also, she, you know, healthcare is really important to me. She's very pro labor. Um, she was just the only person in the squad who actually wound up walking the walk for the things. You right. know, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Like AOC had all this good talk, and then the moment it. <laughs> came time to give israel a fucking new uh missile defense system to genocide fucking babies uh you know she voted for it and then did a fucking crying instagram story on why she felt bad about it you know but yeah but yeah and and james (laughs) just for any new listeners um why is the palestine issue a big thing for you just for new listeners um growing up one of my best friends uh he's a musician uh phones he was actually on the new nephrectomy album um he was palestinian and uh also i'm sicilian but uh growing up i consider mediterraneans our cousins yeah greek italian come on we eat the same food Yep. (laughs) like whether it's greek or italian like mediterranean middle eastern it's like you know it's sort of like the difference between Finland and, 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 and like Amsterdam. Of course, there's huge differences, but there's a lot of commonalities there, too. Lots of hummus. <laughs> no, but in my, oh, my whole yeah. childhood after fucking uh, like 9-11, dude, cheese. fucking. Mm. Yeah, I, you know, I, I might me and my dad got fucking the extra surge every time in the airport, you know, after 9-11 uh, right. as a kid. Right. You know, 
because you got the aqualine nose and the slight tan. Dude, <laughs> when I was a kid, raised in Tennessee, small town Tennessee, and I will admit, I've seen more racism on television in the past 10 years than I saw in my first 20 years uh, of life in a small town in Tennessee. But the worst of it that I would get was somebody calling me a Mexican or, you know, my favorite is, well, you're gay, you're Mexican. And it's like, dude, if I was a gay Mexican, I'd be in front of the gay pride parade, but I'm a straight Arab. So, and fortunately, there's not enough straight Arabs in this town. So, like, I guess I am the parade. But, mm. like, you know, then 9-11 happens. And, like, in high school, I used to make the joke, whenever anything would go wrong, if, you know, oh, it's because I'm an Arab, isn't it? I thought that was so funny and people would laugh. Ha, 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 ha. The idea that I would be discriminated. And then 9-11 happens. I get arrested for underage consumption, get called bin Laden and words that I can't say on the airwaves. By the cops? And when I asked for, yes, yes. And when I asked for a phone book, they threw it at me. Uh, I contacted like the Council of Arab and Islamic Relations and they're like, oh, we can go in there and we can... Uh, if you find out who they were, um, then we can have them do sensitivity training. And it's like, number one, which ones was it? Um, it was the skinhead racist ones. Well, that narrows it down. They were almost all shaved bald and racist. Number two, I live in this small town. It's like, I got beat up one time. I got knocked on the back of the head, walking into a Goodwill. I woke up later with a cop standing over my head, literally knocked out. Right. He goes, do you want to press charges? And I'm like, no, sir, officer. I'm hoping this was a one-time thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> you don't, let's not make a thing of this. Like, do I want to piss off the cops in this tiny town? And, and it is one of those like small, corrupt Tennessee towns, which I, you know, I got to think, I got to thank McMinnville because if I didn't grow up in a small, corrupt, tiny town and dealing with certain things and seeing certain things, I don't think, like other people, you know, they don't want to think about corruption and stuff like that. But me, like, it, I, I couldn't turn my eyes against it. And then the more I learned, you know, CIA atrocities and, and surveillance state overreach and, you know, uh, war for profit and all this stuff, like that became just an obsession. I spent, you know, I'm, I'm going to be 40 later this year. I, I've been at this since about 15 or so. And, you know, just now I'd say coming into my own, though, really, uh, like I said, the first book came out November of 2020. Uh, the next one uh, is about Kai the Hitchhiker. I don't know if you guys remember the story. 2013, the smash, smash, smash. This hitchhiker guy in Fresno. No. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. He was a big, it was a huge, like, viral sensation. Uh, and uh, before, before you talk about that there. really quick, Philip, I, I caught when yeah. you mentioned the town that you lived in, I just caught the Ville at the end. What was it? Oh, McMinnville. Yeah, yeah, McMinnville. Or as we're affectionately known to uh, all the rehabs within 200 mi miles, Methminville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, hey, you if... know, that's uh, that's something that, that Tucson, where I'm at, and uh, and your little area there have in common for sure. Uh, that's when our there's biggest nothing problem. to do after 9 p.m. and they don't let kids skateboard. You know what are they going to do besides make drugs and get get pregnant while they're in high school? That's get a little that's weird. What happens when you don't give kids options for things to do? You know, yeah, that's funny. Fucking, we're all. I mean, we're you, you, me and Ryan are from the Southwest. So that that's Matt Town and fucking yeah. 
You're just from yeah. the south, Matt. Yes, yeah, wherever there by are, Matt. That's good. wherever there are cows <laughs> and horses, there is iodine. Therefore, I mean, excuse me. Wherever there are cows and horses, there is iodine. Wherever there is uh, iodine and cows and horses, it's also very boring, and there's nothing to do. You mix all those together, and you know, shake your bottle, and then you got that that that's that's meth culture right there. And I oh, really so do true. believe a lot of it. Has has to do with no better options um you know like i i'll never forget because like i said in the 90s you know skateboarders were chased off the streets oh skateboarders are a public menace dude no let the kids skateboard you know what they're doing when they're skateboarding i don't know but not, not doing math math. out of a yeah. black bubble right <laughs> build a skate park for these kids have it stay up until midnight so that they have pl- like it's the town where like after 9 p.m. the only thing open is Walmart and Waffle House you know well so what do you think about dude I totally agree with the idea of letting these kids skateboard maybe they're doing some fucked up shit maybe they're putting wax on on uh handrails and they're fucking things up you know maybe chipping some concrete who cares um but what do you think about the idea of like uh like the jackass guys and like Bam Margera and like these pieces of shit people that kind of give skateboarders a bad name dude like uh, do you think that they're like some sort of a psychological operation team or i mean because like like sort of almost like it it, i i think it could be almost like a psyop whether it was intentional or not like the same kind of thing you know i was talking about the kai thing you know surfers hitchhikers skateboarders there's certain groups that are historically marginalized. It has nothing yeah. to do with race or class even, uh, but certain groups, certain subcultures, you know, like uh, I used to go to jam band shows, you know, in the, in the uh, early 2000s. And like, I know at least up until the 90s, there were states where, unless this is an urban legend, don't quote me on this, but I'd always heard that there are certain states, I believe it because I've been through Alabama and Arkansas, that, that there are certain states where a Grateful Dead sticker on the back of your vehicle, oh, we got probable cause they might be carrying drugs. Mm. Like, that's not right. You know, I mean, that's almost provably a CIA op, though. Like, the Grateful Dead was passing oh, out absolutely. LSD. And shit. You know King what I mean? Keezy and Owsley and oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh my gosh, dude, the, the CIA uh, and the U.S. Army. Uh, via Sandoz were the number one producers of LSD throughout like the early 60s yeah. up until like 70, 72. And then they helped like mafia and other like organized criminals set up black market bases to make their own when they got out of the business. Mm. Um, and that's when you started getting even more of the like what they call the bad acid, you know? Yeah, man, I MK Ultra and mind control as a whole is such a passion of mine. It was something like I did a series on on mind control, and there is something uh, just so deeply ingrained in these pop culture icons. Whether it is you know the Grateful Dead, um, you know the Doors, all kinds of different mm-hmm. bands throughout different times have really done this, and that's why you know when you're mentioning skateboarding, and that was just such a thing that rang true to me. Is you know I used to skate as a kid. You know, when these kids are skating around uh, as a whole, we weren't doing anything too fucked up. Like every once in a while, we right. get in some fights. Um, but, you know, when, when if someone got knocked out or someone got hit hard, 
by and large, people would be like, hey, all right, this is done. It wouldn't be like someone getting stomped out like it is today. And I'm only 30, dude. I'm not I'm not fucking, you know. See, I didn't know that about the culture change. But like, yeah, I because like I, I was never a skateboarder, but I hung out with the folks with Jinko jeans. I, I had airwalks, <laughs> you know, so I knew a lot of those people. And yeah, yeah, like it was definitely not. But like that was also like the beginning of the jackass era. And we started uh, seeing that and we felt like because we're white kids skating, you know, so I went to a school here in Tucson where you know it was kind of segregated there was this black area there was a mexican area and there was a white area and the white area was most of the school mostly white people here in arizona and then you know the mexicans felt like they wanted to hang out in their own area and the black kids did too you know and black kids had hip-hop that was a big thing and like that was like gang culture and all that shit and the mexicans were kind of tied in with that shit too and us as white kids, skinny white kids, you know what I mean, that are trying to be tough like like right. we think they are. You know what I mean? And they're not tough right. either. They're yeah, normal yeah. fucking kids. But we're seeing this whole right. way yeah. that they're acting and we're trying to act that same way. And we see Bam Margera punching his dad and doing all kinds of weird shit. And and these these dudes, you know, just that doing makes crazy me stuff. so sick, by the way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And look I, at I, I didn't watch that show. Let me get uh-huh. a little woo for you, you a know? second. <clears throat> Go ahead. Um, so just with the whole fucking jackass thing, bro, I watched the the new fucking movie at yeah, uh, Forever Shop. Yeah, the other day. And dude, I I couldn't enjoy it in the slightest just because fucking Dave McGowan has tainted my enjoyment <laughs> of any any fucking pop culture. I know, you know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm sitting here and I notice <laughs> yeah. the fucking skull and crossbones and I'm uh, like, okay, uh, 322 fucking. Mm-hmm. And then just, I mean, bro, like just thinking back to all of the dumb shit that uh, people in my generation did and thought was cool or normal because of fucking jackass Mm -hmm. and when you really look at it it's like dude that's has to be a mind control op why on earth would we think it would be fucking cool to like smash our do a bunch of stuff that would smash our testicles or do just like homoerotic dare you know like just everything about it like it's like wait nothing about this is actually even like really like it's not and there was a really you're just harming yourself like consumerist <clears throat> aspects to it as well oh, yeah. you know what i mean because it was all about like we're, we're we're pushing the envelope to make more money and like you know that and just the way he treated his dad you know oh, like that. i get yeah, it his dad probably film. got some money out of it too so he had to put up with it but like dude that's just <clears throat> so wrong and yeah so, like you said i mean like he kind of you know, he kind of got what he what was coming to him. The, the, well, with Ryan Dunn though, too, Phila. Oh my gosh, that well, yeah, guy went so, way downhill. So also, man, like I, I watched a documentary on Bam after I watched the Jackass thing, yeah. and dude, if there was anybody who you know, like uh, almost like Disney princess type, dude, he was his dad. He he didn't even really go to school. His dad just filmed him skateboarding since he was a child, like child, child. His dad was fucking. So it's almost like him, like he created the monster. Then, yeah, kind no, of like that, that part wasn't. Wow, that his dad, sucks. Yeah. I mean, it sucks for both of them. Then, but like, I hate that. Like, dude, show his parents. Ugh. 
Well, and then you know what about Don Vito? Like TikTok and oh yeah, Don Vito was a chomo, and then Ryan Dunn basically mm. getting sacrificed. You know that's fishy. Vivo Fucking... had the had the tattoo with the uh, it baby was like a guy. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Like why would wait, you do wait? That? So let's slow no, down. No, I get cause... it. You're, you're oh, yeah, jackass. Sorry, yes. Whatever, but. <laughs> Yeah, let's slow down here because this is actually something that's really interesting because I've never really thought about it as much as I think about all kinds of different conspiracies. And I mean, this is one that does definitely hit close to home just because like when I was showing my dad, I mean, you guys remember LimeWire, right? I mean, like when this is when I was actually watching a lot of the the Jackass videos and like CKY was like my favorite band, even though they only had like three good songs. In my opinion, um, yeah, dude, like you know, one, the fucking '96 Bitter Beans. That oh, riff. dude, that was I had that on that my MySpace moves. page. That was my MySpace yeah. song. '96 Bitter Beans. wants to Beans. cover that. Yeah, dude, That's yeah. And and the only good part of that was the guitar riff. It wasn't exactly. the lyrics. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah dude, that sucks, shit was hard. But... So, um, you know, you have this whole thing, and, and I'm showing my dad these videos, which I'm illegally downloading. Supposedly, no one ever got caught, as far as I know. And my dad's like, this guy's just hitting his dad. You know what I mean? And I thought it was hilarious. And dude, if I were to ever hit my dad like that, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys today. I'd be in a fucking, <laughs> I'd be in the ground, dude. You know what I mean? I just thought it was so funny because right. it was such a foreign idea to me to just beat the shit out of your dad. And and exactly. it was, and, and, but it was so appealing because I think was it there was like, like an a- alligator in one. Like they, he brought an alligator yeah. in the house. It was like, what? I mean, that's kind of funny. It's better than beating yeah. up your dad. I mean, it's I mean? kind of funny as long as nobody gets their arm bitten off. Yeah. You know? It was probably under some like tranquilizers because this is when they had oh, some money. God. You know I mean? Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. All the scat play and stuff that they had, like, dude, the CKY videos had so Shit. much human feces yeah you and when i wa- when i was watching them when i was 18 it was like whatever it's edgy but you watch it again now and it's like this it's is cringy like unsettling fucking pornography you, you know? guys remember mickey avalon oh Speaking yeah that same kind oh, of yeah, thing yeah, yeah. like i i got into like mickey avalon and uh dirt nasty and whoever there was a whole like crew of them <laughs> Dude, that's, and i thought I they were hilarious that's so and i dug funny. their raps and i would listen <clears> to it and then like it's sort of like when I was a fan of Burroughs and, and, and Ginsburg. And then one day I woke up and I'm like, this is about statutory rape and or pedophilia. Why am I, why am I here? You know, yep. like there's that, yeah. like it dawned on me moment where it's like, like when they talk about normalizing things, mm-hmm. when, when you can sneak an overt reference to like, you know, pedophilia, child molestation or grooming 13 year olds into popular culture into the mainstream make it so big that like people you know i i love jethro tull but sitting on a park bench eyeing little girls with bad intentions mm. hey oh, um, fuck. What, what what is that song that they play a music version of at kroger's about I don't want to know, man. <laughs> it's it's about a dirty old man who eyes little girls through the park bench. And that's about all you need to know. And that was one of the, it's a huge hit. It's played Aqualung. on every classic rock. Yeah. Every classic rock station plays Aqualung once a day. It's the law. Right. But because yeah. they play it so much, people don't listen to the words and they don't hear like, you know, dude, that song is about, a hobo hiding behind a park bench 
watching little girls in a playground and having dirty thoughts. You know, that is not a good song. Like, I mean, it's it's a great song. The the yeah, subject yeah, yeah. matter, however, like I, I love Burroughs' writing. I love Ginsburg's writing. I love Hunter S. Thompson's writing. But then one day it's like, wait a minute. Did you say that Lucy girl was 16 years old when you plied her with LSD and and locked yeah. her in her hotel room for days? Because that's rape. Yeah. That's rape. The, the, that's the, rape, the, Dr. Thompson. The, this media is, you know, there's still craft to it and stuff but you've got to fucking get your they live glasses first you know like like people at at first when you find out about all this stuff like reed mcgowan or fucking you know i mean i mean even it's like just getting started in conspiracy it's like okay so the cia fun stuff well whatever i know the difference and then you really start to fucking just appreciate how much all this stuff shapes our culture you don't really yeah. uh, get it like even uh ryan when you were saying how uh you know the the white kids had their skate culture blah blah, blah and the black kids had their gangbanger culture both of those cultures i mean skateboarding itself wh- I, I i i don't know if it was uh founded like that but the whole jackass vibe i guarantee you that was mm-hmm. fucking some sort of deep state culture belt and then the, the the gangster fucking uh shit that was totally Started around the state. time the crack epidemic began yeah like, remember like, like early 80s early <clears throat> 80s hip-hop had positive messages i've got a vinyl record of the fearless four and my favorite line i should uh i, I should have went to night school maybe learn computers then i wouldn't be having the problems that i am today <laughs> um and then two years later sugar hill records signed a distribution deal with like time warner or whoever it wasn't a distribution deal they no longer had access to their whole catalog of music and then the next year yo mtv raps introduces thug culture gangster yep. culture where well, dude, when did and, and you know the gold chains dude the gold chains are the same as this chains and manacles of slavery they've just found a way to popularize it make it look cool like hey get trapped in this awful lifestyle and it's not even just like like i said i grew up in a tiny town with mostly white kids but like it doesn't matter what race you are once you get so into the like gangsta culture that you want to be in the game it's going to affect you negatively uh you know no matter what your race you know but yeah, I do believe it was specifically like they specifically target different segments. It's just like marketing. That's a thing, by the way. Marketing is a form of mind control. People get turned off oh, yeah. by their mind control because they think, you know, Manchurian candidate and they go, oh, no, no. Mind control can be very subtle. It's often cultural engineering. It's shepherding the, uh, you know, the ideas that you are likely to have, uh, giving you two uh, false, uh, you know, a false dichotomy of choices, just like the Republicans versus Democrats, you know, bull. But yeah, no, mind control, I believe, is often very subtle and most often involves cultural engineering. That's why, you know, we started weaponizing social sciences in, you know, the 50s. Uh, games theory and anthropology and sociology and psychology. We had literal mad scientists out there. Like evil dudes doing like really awful things. Cybernetics. And, you know, a lot of this. Yes, exactly. A lot of this research 
was specifically about forms of control. And and once again, it's it's not always overt. It's not always obvious. It's not like the movie Conspiracy Theory. You know, it can be very, very, very subtle. And that's why people don't get it. That's why people don't see. Yeah, dude, I'm looking right now because, um, uh, Philip, you said something interesting um, about like rap coming out and like the whole culture shift and everything in the 80s. Um, Blondie is kind of credited with with starting rap and mainstreaming it, which is bullshit. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. The, the stars and cars and candy bars. Yeah, I mean, we like Tom, okay, Tom Club. okay, Pat Boone. <laughs> it, it's <laughs> it's dude, it's such bullshit that she's credited with it, but it's from that auto American. Yeah, yeah, it was awful. It's from that auto American album. She learned it in the Bronx, right? I think is where she learned. Like she saw black dudes rapping on the street, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's from that song Rapture. Um, and this is from the Auto American album that was released uh, November nineteenth, nineteen eighty. And um, she has like a verse. It's a it's a great song, honestly. But she she's kind of singing. It's kind of like a um, like an airy sound, and it's like a I don't know. It's a weird sound to it. You guys would know the song as soon as you heard it. But yeah. she's got a verse in there where she's just spitting bars, dude. And this is kind of like what fucking supposedly like made rap mainstream. And it's just um, it's kind of interesting, man, to to think about that and who gets credited for it, because you have Ice-T. He's making mm-hmm. not positive rap music. He's talking about killing cops in the right. 80s. So it depends on what side you're looking at it from. But then gangster rap did get popularized in the 90s, for sure. I mean, it's undeniable with. Yeah, NWA. yeah. So like beginning yeah. in the and, late and, 80s, like right around. Oh, you look at the crack epidemic, you look at Iran-Contra. That was said, and and Yo MTV raps. It all happens around the same time, if you'll notice. And once again, just because every time I go outside wearing my red shoes, it rains, does not mean that my red shoes cause it to rain, because mm. the correlation does not denote causality. But there's only so many coincidences y- you can stack up as a bean until those beans turn into coincidence mountain, you know. And that's when I start to wonder, yeah. Yeah, dude, talking about music and conspiracies and like just pop culture, it's such a untouched thing, I think. Well, like, you know, people People hate it because they love their stuff. You know, me too. I get it. I wish that I could watch Kevin Spacey movies again. I loved Woody Allen. Woody Allen was my favorite director until I like first, like, you know, I knew about the Soon Yi stuff, but I was her age. So it didn't like hit me until I was much older. How creepy that was. And then I learned about, uh, uh, I can't remember, Ronan Farrow's sister. And I was like, oh, yeah, no, he's, he, yeah, oh, no, no, Mia's a daughter. He he raped, okay. the, she was six. And it's oh, like, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, no. Okay. oh, no, 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 no. So, uh, whose sister like, is it? I'll I, look I it up right watch now. Woody Allen, Ronan Farrow, the guy that wrote Catch and Kill. Like, I, I want to believe that, like, knowing that Woody Allen got away with that, like, put a, put a bee in his bonnet that led to catch and kill, you know, like Talking a lesser man, when you get, yes, there you go. When Dylan you Farrow. get black cube X Mossad agents and they're like tailing you everywhere you go, a lesser man would be like, actually, I'm not going to write about Harvey Weinstein, you know, but no, this is the dude who knows a powerful Hollywood figure raped his sister and he's not going to let that stand. 
I love that. I love that. Like, not that that happened to her, but that, that that he, you know, had that drive Stood up for and, something. And, you know, people ask people ask me sometimes, like, well, why, why do you write about this, dude? I know too many people like too many exes, too many friends, male and female. You know, everyone knows someone who is a victim of of, of uh, sexual assault and often child abuse. And uh, they may have never told you. They may have never told anyone. They may be trying to still convince themselves that it wasn't didn't abuse, happen. that it didn't happen. You know, so. Uh, but but yeah, once you've heard enough stories, once it becomes that personal, like you literally just can't you, you can't you can't shut it out. That said. I always try and make this point. Like if you read my book, there's short chapters. It's easy to get through a, a chapter, but like take breaks. Don't be afraid to take breaks. I, I was spending like 10, 11 hours a day, five, six days a week for months researching and writing this. I went through so many FOIA documents at one point that uh, I, I learned the term. It's called the Tetris effect. You know, if you sit and play Tetris for days straight, when you dream, you'll see Tetris blocks. Not me. I saw redacted FOIA documents. I saw teletypes. I saw telexes, you know? And, but no, it, it took a genuine mental and physical uh, toll on my health. Like I had to go back to therapy. I had to get back on like the first time in therapy in five or six years, first time in meds in over a decade. Like I had to get back on the benzodes which I don't take them daily, just like when, like, but I was having severe chest pains all day long. So if you get the book, and by the way, that's another thing I always like to tell anybody, if you want the book, email me, kafkaguy at gmail.com, philfairbanks.com has my uh, info. I will send you the book, you know? I had someone, I knew it would happen, but like I knew it was inevitable, but I, I did finally have something. Oh, you're just cashing in on this trend with Pizzagate and QAnon. No, that, that is why every interview I ever do about this book, I will always make sure that anyone who wants it for free, you get a copy, you know, because it's an important book. And like, <clears throat> sure, I'd like to sell some too. But yeah. the last thing I want is for someone to call me like, you know, oh, you're, you're capitalizing on misery. No, no, not at all. Uh, could I, so part of why, I, I mean, I really wanted to highlight you, get you on the show. And part of why I think your book is so important and part of why I like that you use the term pedogate because some people might say it's like, well, that term's so associated, associated with disinfo now with QAnon and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. No, because just because the CIA did this fucking QAnon op and fucking talked about all this real shit. And put in a bunch of crazy stuff too. Doesn't mean that no, they came out right before Epstein. Yup. And fucking, <laughs> and you actually, I mean, one, you take no uh, political sides with it because that that's a, a curse with a lot of this research. Is right. you know, you'll be in the middle of an interview, and then people are like, "Well, and good thing Trump's in there. He's gonna come back in." Bob, yeah. like, you fucking idiot. Trump, Trump's a chomo too. Fucking, but <clears throat> you. You, everything is cited, everything is documented. You know, this book is important because any uh, someone who's critical of this stuff, I could give them the book and be like, okay, dude, fucking tear it apart. Tell me where that's my aim. Tell me where I'm crazy. That's my aim. Exactly. I want to reach skeptics. I also want to reach, I like one of the favorite emails I've gotten 
you know, I, I get messages and emails from people who read the book or heard me on an interview and like the best are the ones from survivors. And they're like, Hey, thank you for writing this book. And I'm like, you're welcome. It was for you, you know? Um, but, but also like, like, you know, just, uh, just when, when I hear from people, like there's one guy, oh, oh, my dad got all into the like adrenochrome stuff and he was kind of going off the rails. And then I, I gave him your book and I'm like, yes, yeah. Like, dude, no, don't, don't like go the other direction where like none of that can be real. You got to realize that like there's a kernel of truth to a lot of that stuff. Even Going the stuff that we can't, there might not be a smoking gun, you know, like, like I said, was Hunter S. Thompson involved in the Franklin scandal? I don't know. Maybe, you know. Uh, but That's until I find that smoking gun, I'm not going to uh, present it as fact, because if you, if you do that, then you lose credibility among the ones that you need to reach. Because uh, like, yeah, there's plenty of people who agree with me already. And, and I appreciate that. But yeah, like in, in order for it to be effective, we got to reach the skeptics and the normies and the people who don't know and the people who don't want to know and don't care yet hopefully hopefully when faced with the gravity of this situation they will care uh but yeah well dude i want to get into this book for sure you were about to mention the second book that you're working on do you want to touch on that really quick before we get into um yeah sure Uh, actually there's a tie-in uh there's a tie-in between the two books because uh uh we went down this rabbit hole of like uh you know 90s and 2000s culture before you know right (laughs) when you were about to tell us about this hitchhiking sounding thing which is funny because like the surfing and the hitchhiking thing like that those subcultures tie into the story as well but uh it, for, for those who don't remember uh 2013 um a hitchhiker kai uh you know his name's caleb mcgilvery he goes by kai uh he he was picked up by a guy who uh told him how, how he had uh raped a 14 year old in the virgin islands and then started talking about how he knew he was Jesus and he can do anything. And then rammed a car into a construction worker, got out of the car and started chasing a woman trying to kill her. Kai pulls out his hatchet and knocks him on the flat side because uh, like multiple police are trying to subdue the dude and they can't. So Kai is just like in the famous words of Kai, smash, smash, smash. Mm. And, you know, the guy, the guy conked out. Uh, you know, there's urban legend, you know, he killed that guy. No, actually, the guy went on trial and thanked Kai for stopping him from making the biggest mistake of his life during a psychotic break, you know. Um, but yeah, this guy, uh, the second ride that he took, uh, it was a, uh, I have to say, alleged rapist because he died. So we can't try him. But um, he he did die with... Um, unidentified blood in his own semen on his penis and kai Jesus. says he was raped but they refused to do a rape kit oh did i mention that galfie is a rich lawyer who the judge who sentenced him uh was uh, partners with him on a law firm and his brother is the former chief of police who was for some reason allowed into the crime scene where he uh washed the dishwasher of the uh of the mugs that kai said was drugged they did run a, a rape kit on the dead man, though. That way, before court, they could say, we ran a rape kit, and it was inconclusive. We did a talk screen. It was inconclusive. Yeah, you ran a rape kit on the alleged rapist. 
and you and you did a talk screen on some mugs that the alleged rapist, likely his brother, uh, who else could have gotten in, uh, ran the dishwasher. And we know that this happened because like in the investigative reports, there's a point where it says, you know, it's the uh, officer suitors writing. And then like day two, and he's like, well, we came back in, the crime scene tape has been cut and the dishwasher has been run. And then he's told by his higher ups, yeah, yeah, well, we're still going to talk screen those. We're still going to talk screen those glasses. Why? They've been run through a dishwasher. What the fuck? You know? And 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 if there wasn't a cover-up, then why did they run the dishwasher? And why wouldn't they run a rape kit on Kai? And and why did the guy that refused to run a rape kit on Kai uh, get like five or six-figure endowment to his research center when he supposedly never knew Galfi? So that's just like, that's the basis of the Kai case. But Yeah, uh, and it's so it's, complicated. It sounds yeah, like, like yeah. that's a cliff note. Like, it's it's gonna be it's that that's why it's like it's gonna be have to be a book length work to get through it but like what 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 really like got me going recently was this year when and and it blows my mind because he's doing all this from the law library in prison right uh and he uncovered 30 plus years worth of new jersey lawyers by lawyers i don't mean just people who pass the bar we're talking about assemblymen we're talking about state legislators. We're talking judges, DAs, assistant attorney generals. Uh, one of the judges involved in, in, in these sex crimes, um, his son raped a kid. And by the way, none of them, neither of them are in the sex offender registry, and it was never written up in any newspaper. We only know about the case text, case, prudential property, insurance versus Boylan. That's Ryan Boylan, the son of New Jersey Judge James F. Boylan. Um, but like, I've got a laundry list of names, um, of often high profile, uh, people with a bar, uh, with a bar degree. See, there's no news about it in the newspapers, but when you break a law and you're a lawyer, there has to be a disciplinary report for whatever bar authority, right? It's the DBA in, uh, New Jersey, in Tennessee, where I'm from, it's the board of professional, it's the BOPA or BOPR or something like that. Um, but no, I mean, like this is multiple, uh, like I said, not just lawyers, but politicians, prosecutors, public defenders, judges, uh, you know, lawmakers, uh, and, and, you know, several of them in Union County where Galfie, uh, the alleged rapist was from. And when they get caught, there's no news coverage. It only ends up in the disciplinary uh, uh, reports of the bar of the bar association in New Jersey, um, and they get a six month suspension from practicing law, six months probation, and oh, you know they do sentence them to therapy though. So that's great. oh well, well. Hey, at least I mean you know mental health is important for these people. Is uh, oh yeah, it is. It is. <laughs> what's the and count- if you harm a kid, you need to be locked up though. Uh, oh, for Union sure, County is where some of these cases are. Yeah, yeah. So is this county yeah. from your research? Is that county sort of like a, like a, similar to like a Broward County where a lot of shady shit goes down, like a cult uh, ritualistic? I think about that exactly. Okay, listen, I would not say by any means that Union County, New Jersey, is the seat of corruption in New Jersey, which is considered by some academics and reporters from the state the most corrupt state in the union. Uh, but I would say based on their size, they have an outsized number, uh, or outsized amount of corruption 
that, that they're involved in. So it's by no means the center or a hub, but for their size, they sure do. Yeah, they they, they sure do uh, have their fair share and a few other people's fair share of corruption. Um, but yeah, no, and like I've got cases going back thirty plus years. Uh, many of these involving you know uh, child sex crimes. Um, oh. Stephen W. Thompson disbarred due to conviction for sexual exploitation of minor temporarily suspended he had already been temporarily suspended uh steven c cunningham related to sexually explicit chats with what he believed to be a 12 year old he actually got disbarred um but like in most of these cases it's a slap on the wrist they get six months suspension uh of their of their right to practice law six months probation and and that's it then okay so this is business. this is something that's currently going on and obviously you're writing about about mm-hmm. this right you, this is a work that's in the process for you right yeah um yeah. what are your thoughts really quick on this katanji brown jackson uh supreme court justice that just got pushed yeah, through? i did think about that a lot yeah yeah i did think about that when like somebody sent that to me in a dm like as she's soon very as came very out. soft on pedophiles and people that would be committing yeah. these crimes and if they're all banded like with the bar and they're all you know jeffrey tubin the legal analyst oh, for cnn Jeffrey yeah. Tubin, you know, uh, Tubin. by the way, the exactly Tubin is the uh, urban dictionary definition for when you uh, jerk it on a Zoom call, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, Jeffrey Tubin came out recently saying that saying the same thing. John Grisham uh, at one point came out saying, well, you know, most of the people who download child pornography aren't pedophiles <laughs> okay you know what, dude? Bud. there's something i need to see your hard drive sir <laughs> it, dude you know you can't you can't go and type in child porn even on DuckDuckGo. you can't type child porn and pull up and it just comes child up porn. You know, I what? I like some weird porn. I don't like any animal shit. I don't like anything crazy. I like a shit that usually is just like maybe sometimes there's a couple dudes involved, but it's all adults that are consenting and they're banging right. a chick out. It's all like, you know, these people are hopefully getting paid and it's all like on the up and up. Right. That stuff is so easy to find. You can find some very weird videos with adults involved. Anyone that that is trying to justify that anything with kids or with animals is a normal thing. There's something very fucking off with even someone that will make that statement. You know what I mean? And and this is nothing new to my audience. I mean, you know, I'm very against anything like this, just as anyone should be. But what's unfortunate, man, is that I think that there's a lot of people out there that act like they're enraged with this stuff and they would support it if it was legal. Right. Or if it became popular or mainstream, which is the point of these 70 plus years, like from from Ginsburg writing about pederasty and Burroughs writing about his exploits with 12 year old boys in Tunisia and Morocco or actually goes way back further. Like, you know, in my book, I go through all kinds of like uh, literary and academic figures like back to the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s that, you know, uh, there's so many of them. And, you know, uh, you know, Michel Foucault, one of the most important postmodernist philosophers. Uh, he did very bad things in Northern Africa. And by the way, a lot of these guys had that in common. There was a French writer. Um, there was a Foucault, um, you know, Burroughs. I think, uh, I think even Oscar Wilde, who was another one that I really was a big fan of, 
uh, also went with one of the French guys to, uh, you know, it's Morocco or Tunisia or Algiers. And uh, yeah, it's, it's like, and these are people who like are looked up to in academia. They're looked up to in society. And yes, I feel like it, it sort of is like a very slow but steady attempt to push it into normalization. And, and I talk know like that sounds crazy, but I mean, you know, how else can you explain a hundred years plus worth of the most influential people pushing pedophilia? A one hundred percent, dude. And and I know that you're um, you pride yourself in being in the center, not taking a political side, and and I really try to not do that as well. Um, but it does seem like it is in large the left that is pushing this, the political side, the left, not not just the politicians, but also the constituents. They don't seem to have a problem with, you know, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She's a leftist idol. Um, uh, Ketanji Brown Jackson, she is a, a, a Democrat. Now, I would call her a lib idol because it, just, just to be like, uh, as far as my terminology, like I know some leftists. I get along better with leftists than liberals, you know? Yeah, so liberals, I mean, yeah, Ryan, like, and I, I tried to coach you on this on the, with the fentanyl thing. Uh, there's a liberal is like, think Obama, think fucking yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Saturday Night Live. Anyone who gets their the politics people who believe from, in RBG and think that Stephen Colbert is uh, the arbiter of truth. That's that's yeah. the classic liberal. And yes, they are probably some of the most uh, hyper mediated and propagandized oh, uh, like or at least equ- as, you know, the MSNBC viewer talking about the fox viewer pot meat kettle you know <laughs> where, where, it's, where is, it's the where same is thing from two directions yeah a leftist is at least it used to be like like think chomsky's old writings chomsky's turned into an op but i mean i mean a good yeah. description of it just people who are opposing war opposing fucking the oligarchy uh you know yes. opposing billionaires ruling our lives and fucking useless trying to get the work and, yeah useless yeah. wars getting the working class united regardless of race you know each of us not being slaves to fucking billionaires and, and okay. funny enough a lot of fucking people that would people would consider right-wingers i feel like wind up uh <clears throat> falling into that category more now as being anti-war yeah, dude, i know leftists i know leftists who agree more with some people who are more on the right or libertarian side than a liberal any day, like uh, on I, certain issues anyways. Yeah. I've said this. And I think that there's a crucial group that you guys are both leaving out here. And I want to touch on that really quick. I think that there is an aspect of when you go so far to the right, you eat your own tail, like an Ouroboros, right? You end up, you go in <laughs> right. a fucking circle and you end up, the you go so, you, yeah. you go so far to the fucking right that you end up on the left. Um, mm-hmm. I would actually classify a liberal as someone like JFK, um, someone that is a classical. Oh, that's a classical liberal. Yeah, classical yeah, yeah, liberal, yeah, and that's exactly. that's the that's the term Thomas that you guys, Paine and, and exactly Rousseau that's the, that's the term that you guys were using. Basic rights liberal. of humans, and yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's JFK. Now, a neoliberal is what Obama is. Neolibs, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So I, that I was, just say libs because yeah, it's uh, but when I say lib, what I mean is neolib. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, neolibs so are just neocons who talk yeah. different. You know, well, that's a, we, Trump we, we just get sensitive Biden, when people shit on changed. leftists. 
<laughs> well, leftists, I think yeah. that there is a problem with leftists because you you, oh, take yeah. the, you take the right hand path or the left hand path. The left hand path traditionally is the evil path. I think that the leftists are the ones that are pushing for you know trying to re-educate kids like you know the whole thing where the right the far far right is saying that every single gay person is trying to groom our kids to be gay i don't agree with that but there is unfortunately a significant amount of the population on the elite side that leans to the left that is trying to get kids and encourage kids to be gay from birth before they should even know what sexuality is obviously if you're a boy you you it's inherently population control probably oh 100 100 percent. and there's a lot of people that identify on the elite spectrum there's a lot of people that identify as conservatives or neocons or whatever you want to call those guys that are rhinos right you guys know what these mm-hmm. are these are republican in name only and i was trying to come up with a term of like a fake populist where it's really a globalist in populist clothing right like a populist mm. in name only a pino or something like that <laughs> you know yeah a pino you get these <laughs> you get those people too but there's a there is a i think that you know it's interesting um to for me at least to see people um that are so anti-pedophilia like yourselves sticking up for leftism because i think that maybe we just confuse leftism at least your perspective on what leftism is right. versus yeah what yeah yeah is, right i'm not mm-hmm. saying you guys are fucking assholes and, or anything and for the record like the leftists and 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 you know even socialist communists and marxists um follow me uh the ones that do though they're not even your typical leftists and i'm not even just talking about neolib versus actual leftists sure. like even you're like like the, the, most of the folks on, like on true leftists that follow me, they were also anti-lockdown. You know, they were against cuties. You know, yeah. like they've read Dave McGowan and stuff. Like that's that's the leftists I gel with. You know, and you identify and, those as leftists, not liberals, because I would identify those as liberals. Exactly. That, yeah. that are more. So oh, you okay. Okay. You so, yeah, yeah, it's a definitional issue, but yeah, 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 no. So, so we agree then. Yeah, yeah. it was just a definitional confusion. That's so yeah, funny. I'm just, and that's I'm just I... trying to reclaim the left, man. You know, like think right. Jimmy Dore. You know, like it's like these people can't fucking steal what I've been my whole life. You know, it's part sure. of fucking like <clears throat> working class organizing, all that type of shit, man. And it's like just because all of a sudden the TVs telling you that being a leftist means that you have to fucking tell people to show their papers and support Nazi death squads in Ukraine and fucking sure. teach four-year-olds about, uh, you know, butt sex. Uh, you know, no, that's not being a leftist. I'm, I'm here to say, fuck you guys. You aren't leftists fucking. I think that's a nice, <laughs> you know but, it's a nice yeah. thought, man. I think that, um, I think it's a losing time battle is, at this point for me. Yeah. I, I was just going to say that James, I think that it's time to abandon the left and the right paradigm. A hundred percent. You know, if yeah. you, if, if you, you saw away. yourself as a classical leftist, abandon that shit. You know, I, I heard this thing and I was a big Trump supporter, um, when the whole thing started, I, I, you know, and I believed in QAnon, I was, I was one of those people that was caught up in that. Um, I do think that it says something about anyone's character that can admit that they're wrong about something. And I, I, I have no problem in saying that I got caught up in the hype with this fake populist, this Pino or this Pino, whatever we want to call him. This, this globalist. <laughs> Let's coin that. I like that. 
I know. I like that. That's a new yeah, teacher today. design right there, dude. <laughs> um, you call him the right wing Bernie. He was right wing Bernie. Exactly. They were both like Bernie and Trump, dude. And by the way, Bernie Trump 2024, nobody could beat him. Oh, yeah. Just saying. But Bernie and Trump on the same, yes, they would be unstoppable. Because the only oh, reason yeah. Trump won yeah, is because they stole the primary from Bernie, right? Like Bernie would have, I don't know if he would have won or not, but he would have given Trump a run for his money. So, yeah, I mean, like, just because it would be just because it would be hilarious. I would love to see Bernie Trump 2024 just to see people on the right and left heads explode. No, you can't do that. And in a world it would still be like so like, yeah, huge. Well, and in a world where politicians weren't able to lie, like if Bernie actually stood behind his means and, and or his ideals and Trump actually stood behind his ideals. I mean, there is there is so much interesting shit that they would get done. Right. I mean, it would be, yeah, it would yeah. be insane. Um, but I heard this this idea where, you know, if you're rooting for a politician these days, any whether you're on the right or the left, if you're rooting for any politician, it's like watching a football game and rooting for the referee. You know what yep. I mean? You're not voting for either team. You're not betting on either team. You're betting on the referee to fucking Yeah, yeah. yeah. Politics is about organizing. It's not about your fucking favorite TV star. And that's, I mean, honestly, at this point, we, we need to, like you said, abandon that terminology. Yeah, politics is fucking dead, man. And that's one of the beauties, or one of the, <clears throat> the beauty of all of the fucking mind control and shit that went on during the pandemic is I've noticed, I mean, you know, you were a, a Trumper. Fucking, I was a Bernie bro. We're friends, dude. And we yeah, fucking, dude. yeah, we're I love talking that, about shit. And we're organizing, like, you know? And, and, and that wouldn't have happened. People are reaching across. Yeah. And we're, we're actually building. It, 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 I, I feel like we could actually get change on this. As long as we yeah. keep abandoning that identity. And it's like, no, this is about populism. This is about saying, putting the billionaires in fucking death camps, you know, like fucking like d- getting in Minecraft. Really shit. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, wink, wink. Don't take this off YouTube. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I feel like we really we really do have an opportunity with this. Um, and I, I, I feel like we all really want the same thing. And yeah, all of this, of this COVID yeah. shit has really brought it to light. Like, it's like some people, you, you either bought in to the fucking mask lie and all, it you was know, like all 9/11, this bullshit. And you know what I mean? Yeah. You either I've, fell for the propaganda or you woke up. The people who were already woke up about the propaganda type stuff, you know, the old school truthers, like they saw COVID, like, yeah, I see what they're doing there. This is neo-feudalism. Uh, they're destroying all the small businesses so that everyone will lose their jobs and not be able to work so that BlackRock gets to own their home so that in the future, we all live in a plantation owned by Jeff Bezos. <laughs> no, Philip, you know, you, you're talking about the, the closing of small businesses and things like this. Mm-hmm. There was, you know, cryptocurrency was really being popularized when all this stuff was rolling out. And all of these people are talking about a redistribution of wealth. There's going to be a redistribution of wealth. And a lot of people were thinking that the top oh, level was, people, yeah. Yeah, there were a lot of trillions of dollars. A lot of people were thinking that the top level people were going to lose their money unwillingly to Mm. us, the people that bought in the crypto. But all that it was was mom and pop businesses, upper middle class 
people losing their money and that money going up to the elite. And then now who's next? The middle class. I'm middle class. I'm assuming you guys are too, without, you know, prying. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you guys are part of the middle class. We're next. We're next. Mm-hmm. Now, um, I've got a question for both you guys. And then I really, really do want to get into your book, dude. I want to talk about more of this pedophile stuff because it is such a fascinating thing. The pedogate shit. Um, first, I do need to refill my drink. So I want you guys to, to go at it. It's going to take me just a couple seconds. But I got okay, a question yeah, as yeah. soon as I come back here. Yeah, go dude. ahead. Just take it away, James. Oh, whatever you feel like. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'll be right uh, back. Okay. All right, we'll, we'll pick it up on something. Um, oh, shit. Fucking uh, just curious, man. How did you come across that Kai story? You know, uh, I I think I first heard about it when, uh, you know, when it was the big viral uh, sensation and he did the interview and whatever. I remember seeing that. And then I think I, I seem to remember hearing, because it was just weeks later, uh, that the second ride where he got picked up by a galpy uh and uh i i think i assumed at the time and this was around 2013 2013 2014 was a very tumultuous period in my life um and and i didn't have internet for a lot of that time either uh for for a few years there uh, between like 2010 and 2015 um but it was 2016 or 2017 that a friend of mine uh a nurse friend of mine she's like hey you remember this story right and i was like oh oh, that guy because i'd kind of assumed i was like oh wow you know this guy this guy was a viral sensation and it looks like he's got a slam dunk case this is this is gonna be open and shut i did not count on the fact that uh uh-oh uh but the stakes are very high for union county and galfie's brother and everybody who took part in the you know people hate the term conspiracy but you know when two or more people conspire to engage in criminal acts and then commit more felonies to cover up said criminal acts what is the dictionary definition of that again oh conspiracy i mean like yep see that doesn't have to be the moon is made of green cheese and the earth is flat and nobody died at 9 11 it can be as simple as the prosecutor and a cop saying Hey, uh, plant that blood over there. You yep. know what I mean? Or, or it has to that, be that's a, simple, a criminal conspiracy. Yeah, it has to be as simple as how fucking capitalism works in America. You know, it's like I, I have these leftist friends. It's like, oh, you're such a conspiracy theorist, blah, blah. It's like, well, uh, you realize fucking those billionaires you talk about not liking, they everything they do that you don't like, that's fucking conspiracy. They're conspiring to steal billionaires having class consciousness and working towards their own aims and using their concentrated yep. power to gain more <clears throat> concentrated power. That's crazy talk. Why would greedy people be motivated by greed to do awful things that we've caught them doing for decades? Yep. And they, they organize <laughs> to get a so- yeah, they organize to get a social safety net for the rich. You know, I think that we fucking tax money. I do want to float this idea to you, uh, James, you know, with with the problems that you may or 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 any leftist may have with capitalism. I think that, you know, another saying that I heard, you know, uh, what's the difference between capitalism and socialism In socialism? Man exploits man. And in capitalism, it's the other way around. 
I am I am pro free market anti-capitalism and people don't get that because there's a there's a mind there's a mind disconnect where people have for some reason associated capitalism with free market free market means hey uh, um, I've got a skill can I can I mow your yard or play you a song and trade it for a chicken and then you get the chicken and now you've got eggs and you can start an egg business or you can make cakes you know whatever right that's free and be market. adequately capitalism, paid for it without being extorted by a fucking exactly. capitalism class. exactly capitalism so, makes it where a poor person cannot enter the free market free no market no no it's pretty that, expensive if you ask me <laughs> so i would argue philip that i think that capitalism makes it so that that poor person can absolutely get into the free market but corporatocracy there fascism yeah Corporatocracy, mm-hmm. fascism, and technocracy make it so that that poor man can't. So f- capitalism, pure capitalism, is the best system possible, but it always gets bastardized by these people that get to the top. Um, we're not living in a capitalist country right now. We're it's, living in a fascist state, man. I think it's, it's a corporatist. fascist, whatever you want. Yeah, to it's you definitely. Corporatist like is a good word terms, for it because the corporations the run it, thing. but corporatist equals fascism. Yes. Corp- we live so in the a difference fascist consumerist society. Yeah. The difference between corporatocracy and fascism is that, you know, in corporatocracy, the government and corporations are working together to benefit the corporations. And in fascism, you have corporations and government working together <laughs> to benefit the government. We're moving right. quickly, very quickly into yeah, a yeah. corporatist society. Just look at BlackRock. BlackRock is going to make it so that you will own nothing and you'll be happy. Ten trillion dollars. Eleven trillion. Ten trillion. Eleven trillion dollars. And the the first like, American holding company that's able to legally operate in China. That's not by accident. <laughs> and then a dude Boom. that's very heavily affiliated with them is now investing his main investments and his holdings are in fresh water. So that should let you know that fresh water is going to be scarce. You don't um, know it's going to suck. But like, it's kind of, there's a kind of poetic irony about the fact that like, by the way, China, China is not communist. They are dingus state capitalists where the state runs capitalism. Well, not even Maoist really. They're more dingus because Ding was the guy who like opened the market up and turned them into a capitalist, a, a manufacturing powerhouse, which pulled a lot of people out of poverty. But it's kind of ironic because if and when uh chinese communism dingus state capitalism is what i prefer to call it whenever that takes over you know how they're going to do it right they're going to sell it to us they're going to sell it to the american corporations they're going to be like hey i've got some uh dingus state capitalism for you well Mm. how much is it you know and then we're then the corporation like that's already happening where where chinese companies are buying huge amounts of oh no i'm sorry go ahead yeah we got uh, I was just saying, yeah, my bad. I was just even uh, Justin Trudeau even openly stated that fucking you know like he admires uh, the Chinese state for what it's Basically, able to do with its economy. Yeah, you know, and I mean, I mean, he's open, openly been doing fucking. He's a fucking dictator now, seizing people's I mean, assets. Hey, and, hey, oh. credit where it's due. They did. They you know they went from being one of the poorest countries in the world to. Uh, about to be the economic powerhouse that replaces American economic hegemony. You know, like the oh, yeah. second, China, and it can happen won. any minute now. 
the U.S. is floating on the petrodollar. But did you notice with this Russia-Ukraine stuff, all of a sudden, United Arab Emirates and Saudi aren't answering Biden's phone calls. So he's calling Venezuela and Iran. Hey, um, I, I know I beat you up last week, but can you loan me like, can you float me alone? Like, that's literally what that is, you know? I Asking think Iran uh, and Venezuela for help. Oh, come on, I, man. You know, I, I pride myself on kind of staying in, in uh, on top of these kinds of issues and political stuff. I mean, like, I, I, I really look at the geopolitics and the geopolitical conspiracies. I don't think that the petrodollar is what keeps the, the American dollar strong. I think that it's just backed by the gun. It's backed by the United States military. That's the right. only fucking yeah, reason. Probably right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I look into that stuff, uh, you know, China, when, when in 2008, when we had that mortgage meltdown, uh, Russia went to China and said, Hey, if we sell all of our American bonds, the United States goes tits up and they are fucked. They are plummeted into a third world country. And you know what China said? China said, no, we're not going to do that right now. Because, because they need us too. Yeah, it's yeah. A, it's a give and take relationship, man. It's a I want to symbiosis. Move, yeah, yeah. I, I want to ask this question before we move into your book, dude. I'm I, like I said, I'm fascinated. Oh, I want to no, no, I want to talk for a while on this book for sure. But did you guys see this? Um, you know, we're talking about QAnon and all this crazy shit and COVID. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. Did you guys mention uh, or did you guys see um, that Watch the Water documentary that came out about COVID's real origins? I saw somebody mention it Ooh. just the other day, uh, but I haven't seen it. No. So it's about COVID. And the only reason that I wanted to bring this up is because it's such a current thing. This episode will probably come out uh, Thursday morning or Friday morning. Um, it's the idea that COVID-19, when you get infected with it, it's basically um, raising an enzyme that's naturally in your blood that's equivalent to snake venom. And it raises the oh, enzyme. Oh, yeah. I heard somebody else talking about this, too. Okay. I didn't realize that that documentary and the article that I heard somebody else was talking about. And it's the deep. same stuff. It's yeah, deep yeah. Because the vaccine and, and remdesivir is also made up of snake venom. King Cobra and um, uh, I forget, crate venom. Two different snakes. And um, then you get the whole, you know, symbol of like the staff with the two snakes coiling up for the medical symbol. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you get all this weird shit. And instead of, you know, when you're infected with COVID. Sort of looks like DNA when you think about it. Satanic DNA. Satanic DNA. Right. You know what I mean? And um, so when you when you think about uh, what happens when you get COVID, you lose your your sense of smell. You lose your sense of taste. This happens. When you suck venom out, like if you if your friend gets bit and you suck the venom out of their cut, you lose your taste of, of smell and your your uh, your taste. Mm. You lose that for sometimes a year or more. You can lose your taste just by simply sucking it out. And they're saying that they're putting covid in our water supply, in the municipal water supply. So if you're taking ice cubes, you're taking soup at a restaurant, you're buying, you know, major products with water in them. Um, you're getting infected with covid. And the reason why it's so unique um you're not actually it's not a respiratory virus or disease or whatever it's a venom and it's shutting down your diaphragm which makes it hard to breathe you're basically getting paralyzed at, at very small small amounts now it's it makes it like yeah it makes sense if you've had covid it fucking yeah. makes sense now there's there's <clears throat> so much to it it's uh it's on rumble it's like an hour-long documentary really really provocative information 
Um, I just don't know. Obviously, you guys hadn't seen it, but I mean, I don't know what your thoughts are on something like that. Do you think this is just another psychological operation from like the QAnon people or what? I don't know. Okay, like when it comes to the COVID stuff, like I think that there is definite evidence that suggests that uh, it may have been lab created. That's, you know, uh, I don't think it's too controversial to say that there's a lot of evidence that shows that uh, they took an existing, um, you know, virus and altered it to make it more. I mean, we, we've got the paperwork and the U.S. funded it. And then when we shut it down in the U.S., uh, the, the North Carolina lab moved to China and then they stopped using the same kind. of. So was it was it man made or was it lab made? Was it released on purpose or by accident? Like all of that to me is less important than, you know, it could have been anything. They they will use whatever excuse to do what they were already planning to do. Mm. And the end goal is, yes, this World Economic Forum style, BlackRock Vanguard neo-feudalism, you know? And, you know, it's it's kind of scary to think what, like I was seeing one of uh, Schwab's guys giving a speech and talking about, well, you know, the problem is with automation and we're going to have all these, you know, meaningless, useless people uh, and they're going to have no reason to live. So we'll probably have to use um, drugs and video games to give them a, a sense of purpose in life. That was and, Harari and like, Yuval. Or Yuval, Har- Yuval Harari or Harari? Yuval Harari, the guy that wrote the Sapiens book. Yes, exactly. He's yeah, a, yeah, he's yeah. A, he's a gay atheist that talks about God constantly. It's very weird. <laughs> very weird. Yeah, I don't get it, dude. And nothing against gay people, but it's just very weird to hear a gay atheist constantly mentioning god in his speeches he's like god doesn't want this it's like dude you're atheist what fucking god are you talking about man you know what yeah I mean? really so i don't know they are very weird weird folks and um mm-hmm. yeah it, it, that's a an oh yeah i was so though. creeped out by that clip though yeah because it's I, like the and he literally said you know all these what do we do with all these meaningless useful useless people and i'm like you really think like that and he calls it he calls us rats who run the world he they yeah. he literally in yeah. his speech he calls us rats he says if the rats find out what we were trying to do to them they would fucking kill us you know he doesn't say fucking but i did an entire patreon episode on him i talked about him for an hour mm-hmm. in one of the speeches but just because it was so mind-blowing that someone would have the balls to get on say of course he's talking to, in an echo chamber but you know it, it just if knowing, showed anyone his clips fucking they'd think you're just a cons- you know oh conspiracy theories, blah, blah, blah. yeah and it's like uh dude this this thing is in the open yeah you know I, yeah, I exactly. give you credit ryan you're <laughs> one of the best uh solo podcast researchers um oh, thanks dude. In, in the game i've learned i've learned a lot from your solo episodes honestly I wanted to introduce you two guys because fucking I Phil, that, yeah, Thanks, Phil has man. his pedogate stuff is is great in its own unique way, and uh, Ryan uh, has a really good blend of the spiritual with you know a mm-hmm. unique political angle, and and just you have a really good understanding of geopolitics, you know, like just the way you spoke uh, on the petrodollar, and yeah, but uh, on that, sorry. I'm, in my vape um on that note with the the covid shit man the with i think all of these different um you know made in a lab snake venom uh radiation poisoning i i think all of those causes are right because i mean 
we don't have a way to even accurately fucking test for it. You know, what right. is COVID even, mm-hmm. you know, it's not isolated. Like we don't, and, yeah. and when, when you say you got COVID, I don't even know specifically what I got. I was sick for two weeks. It was weird. It was similar to other people who were sick for two weeks, but it seems like everybody that I know who got it, no case was exactly the same. Yeah. And I feel like once 2020 hit, man, um, I feel like we were subjected to all of these different depopulation methods. You know, this ties into my family. Oh, wait, now you're vaping right now, right? You remember <laughs> exactly. the mysterious vaping illness of late 2019? I remember yep. my dad kept sending me, he's like, hey, vaping's dangerous. Look, there's another death. And I'm like, dad, vaping's been around years. And if dozens of people suddenly are dying of vaping after years of people vaping, then that's not that's not the yeah. vape killing them. That's not this the vape it. putting Jeez. them, you know, in a ventilator tube. So I don't know if there was any connection there, if there was some contamination, if it was like whatever. But like I did find that really interesting <clears throat> because it was like the the side effects were respiratory and they killed some people. It uh, did sound similar to like what some people describe with COVID. And as for like the whole 5G stuff, I don't know. Like I, I, I'm not a scientist. I don't know about that stuff. I, I'll tell you this much. A, a member of European Parliament back in the late 90s was trying to point out how, have you ever read the instructions for your cell phone? <laughs> It'll tell you, don't, don't, don't do this. Don't put the phone next to your head. You're supposed to have it a few inches away because yeah. it's irradiating and heating your brain to... Who does this? Who uses their phone like this? Unless it's on on speaker, which I use speaker generally. And people are like, oh, I can't hear you. Oh, there's an echo. And I'm like, but I don't have a brain tumor yet, you know? And and once again, it's just like with pharma. When you've got billions of dollars, you know, you got lobbyists. And it's like, actually, that's not dangerous at all. We're just going to allow that. Remember the Korea, the Olympics in Korea, they used blasts of 5G to repel wild boars. It was big freaking yeah. tusk, tusk monsters that like kill a few people each year. They're using like a blast of, imag- of not imaginary, but invisible like microwave energy. And it would send a rampaging 450 pound like tusked beast running in the opposite direction. Mm. I don't know if I want cell phone towers blasting that stuff out like dr jose delgado another one of the mk ultra guys he did experiments with monkeys using uh radio frequencies and some of those same frequencies which he found some can make you apathetic some can make you aggressive some of those same it's it's the same swath of frequencies that uh some of the same swath of frequencies that our cell phone towers use and, uh, you know, there's something called the, the rear view mirror effect is what uh, Marshall McLuhan called it. Like until you've been changed by something, you don't even notice it yet. Like you're driving, you, you know, if you're looking through the rear view mirror, you don't see anything until you're past it. And that's kind of the way it is with certain changes. Like, you know, there are certain changes that you can't even tell how much you were changed until afterwards. Like Even even like. <sighs> Like a, a small example, you know, I mean, like you said, all of all that cell phone shit, that's proven. You know, my grandma was like actively fighting that shit in the 90s. You know, wouldn't let me have a cell phone, just 
because it was proven, you know, all, people would get fucking brain tumors. We just forgot about that. And they're more powerful than they were back then. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, think of this right, right around the pandemic. We had these AirPods fucking drop. Dude, yeah. each, and this is admitted in them, each yeah. one of those AirPods has the same amount of fucking uh, radiation as one cell phone. So you're basically putting two fucking cell phones next to your brain all Whoa. fucking day. And it's no wonder I never, like, I've never used, like, the the Bluetooth headphones. I'm like, no, like, I don't want to put my head in a microwave, but thanks for offering. I've used them, but then I have got, I actually have noticed that I've gotten lightheaded using them. But I mean, like, even just keeping, uh-huh. keeping your phone in your pocket, it's right next to your nutsack. Mm-hmm. Your nutsacks, your balls, you know, when you go and get an x-ray, they put the fucking lead belt over your balls because that absorbs a lot of radiation right there. You know what I mean? So, yeah, we're fucked. There's no... we're and, and Even stuff like blue light in your LCD screen. Oh, Some yeah, the crystals. people yeah. are more or less susceptible. I am highly susceptible to blue light. I, I learned that when I learned about blue light blocking. Um, you know, so now I have like at 7... 7 p.m. my blue light shifts and because I used to I I remember I used to like I didn't realize why it was like I was like dude the internet's like a drug it's like no the screen Mm. the lights coming from the screen is what's making me up and go loopy you know and and sure that doesn't affect everybody doesn't affect everybody in the same way but yes I believe that like our brains operate on electromagnetic frequencies so having a bunch of other electromagnetic frequencies, like remember when all the cell phone towers came up starting in the like 97 or so, they're popping up everywhere. That was when we first started hearing stories about, and then a hundred birds fell dead from the sky. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. I wonder sometimes like, cause they're operating on electromagnetic frequencies too. And so maybe like, I, and, and maybe with animals and humans, some are more susceptible, some aren't maybe, maybe it's genetic maybe there are other factors maybe it's something you ate you know but regardless of the reasons yeah i i do believe that um you know the, the cell phones and cell phone towers and blue lights on your screen this stuff is not good for you says the guy who spends 24 you know hours a day in front, <laughs> in front of, of a screen in front of the screen right here hey we yeah. all do man and and you know I, like i said i wanted to get into uh into your work um and i think i, feel I feel like this is two episodes right here <laughs> yeah this is a long one dude that was such i mean it was just such a great conversation i didn't want to you know like try and force anything but dude um it, it obviously ties good, in just what's that i said i told you this would be good yeah, man. No, you weren't wrong. You were not wrong. And uh, I, I do really, really appreciate the opportunity to meet you, uh, Mr. Fairbanks. This is a great, great conversation. Um, let's roll into this, dude. So so um, what, first of all, like, you know, uh, James kind of alluded to in the beginning, Pedogate, you know, why, why that? Why take that name? Um, you know, it, it does seem like... The reason I started using that term... Um... Like when I first heard like the WikiLeaks thing dropped and they started talking about Pizzagate. And then then I was like, whoa, the FBI symbols that I've known about for 20 years are now mainstream. This is great. And then like a week and a half later, I realized, no, no, this is not great at all. Mm. So I didn't like to use the term Pizzagate. Now, in my book, I briefly mentioned Pizzagate because, yeah, dude, like that house band and the pedo paintings in and the instagram like 
that's creepy stuff. I don't know what's going on there, but I would not, not allow my, you know, uh, if I had children or anybody who I love, I would I would tell them not to have their children anywhere near that place. You're not having a birthday um, party at Comet Ping Pong, right? At Comet Pizza. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, so, you know, I, uh, I, I, I started using the term pedogate instead of Pizzagate because it sounds similar and I figured it's, it's kind of catchy or whatever. Uh, but I started using that term, you know, circa 2016, 2017, I guess. And like what I was using it before there was QAnon, right? And uh, apparently later uh, I learned that uh, that it's associated with that. And, and you know, it, which is why I sometimes get told like I, my favorite is the people who like this guy, there's a guy who made like a two and a half hour long video about me. And I'm like, dude, if you'd spent 45 minutes skimming my book or watching one of my interviews, you'd realize that this person that you're mad at only exists in your head. Mm. (laughs) Like this guy who's saying this and he thinks that all pedophilia is satanic ritual abuse. I, I don't, what page, what page did I say that? Oh, that's right. You haven't read my book. You were literally just making shit up off the top of your head. Um, well, now, I don't deny that, that, that say, say like ritual abuse and even satanic ritual abuse. I think that stuff has occurred. I, I've got a whole chapter on the finders, which I don't consider them to be satanic, but like definitely occultic. And I mean, and Michael Aquino abuse, is clearly, yeah, Michael yeah. Aquino is very satanic. You Henry know, he admits Lucas, it. Ed Gein, like, look at their childhood. Tell me that wasn't ritualized intergenerational abuse. That's what it was. Transgenerational like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And 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 so, you know, however rare it is, like, you know, dis- dissociative disorder, incredibly rare. It DID. may be, it may be even more rare than DID, which is like, you know, 0.1 to 3% of the population of the world, right? It might be less than that. Uh, that that have been victims of uh, ritual abuse or occult or satanic ritual abuse, but like I said, you know the the Fed saw the pictures of the kids uh, playing with entrails, uh, wearing robes, and uh, well, no, the adults were in robes. I think the kids were nude. Apparently, like they're wearing uh, like goat heads and shit, right? Yeah, I, I did want to mention yeah. just for anyone that doesn't know what DID is. Um, I actually have have heard about this from my mother. She has had to speak with people that have DID and she will tell you straight up. I mean, these people seem possessed. They'll be talking in one language. Uh, and, and some of these people know multiple fucking languages, which is wild. Um, you know, they'll be sitting there talking to you in let's say Spanish and they're sitting there just rambling in Spanish and they sound like a little girl. And it's a 300 pound dude sitting there talking to you, sounding like a little girl legitimately speaking Spanish. And then you'll say something and it'll flip a switch and then they go into like a fucking different character different that they have. Character, yeah. And and maybe they're speaking English at that point. And uh they have their normal voice, deeper voice, whatever. And um sometimes like you'll you'll the, they know their trigger words and they'll say certain things and they'll try and break them of these trigger words. And it's a scary, right. scary thing. And that's why a lot of people actually think that these people are possessed by the devil and things like that. But sometimes that can be explained by these weird ritualistic cults or or maybe they're born with it it's hard to say and it, it's yeah. not something you can paint with a broad brush but um right. you know 
you mentioned like the Franklin scandal, and that's something that I'm very, very interested in. It's actually something I haven't done an episode on for some reason. Um, Let's do an episode. I want to do an episode on it, dude. <laughs> All three of us. I, I'm down. I'm down. I, I'm Let me down. ask you, dude. A, a lot of people are are afraid to mention uh, the Warren Buffett character. Do you think he's involved? Yeah. Because ah. okay. uh, he owned the newspaper in Omaha. Uh, uh, at least one of his reporters were involved. Like, you know, he's at least he's at least tangentially involved because he's connected to too many of the characters. Like, was he in on it? Uh, he's foolishly I don't know. Ignorant. Uh, did he help cover it up? I don't know. But I think it's quite possible. Like, it takes people with a lot of power and money to do that kind of cover up. Like, you know, one, one of the one of the big deals with the Franklin scandal for me, because it reminds me of Gary Webb and Danny Casalero. It was Gary Caridori. All three cases, very similar. Um, so you got this person and they're doing an investigation. And then they start to talk to their family and say, hey, listen, I have uh, uncovered some stuff and uh, I'm scared. And uh, I think people are going to try and kill me. And uh, and then the next thing you know, they die, disappear. Uh, they they mysteriously die. Uh, in the case of Gary, uh, Gary Webb, two shots to the head. Because, you know, the first time that you blow your brains out, you know, it doesn't work. Try it one more time to make sure you got it. You want to make yourself Um, feel, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Gary Caridori, the NTSB, uh, you know, when they finally and they it it took a congressman to push the NTSB uh, to, to look into this. The plane didn't crash. It, quote, broke apart in midair and it was strewn out for like hundreds of meters. Uh, and there was all the parts of the plane in his body. Hey, wh- what happened to his, his briefcase with those documents he said people wanted to kill him over? Same with Danny Casalero when he mysteriously died. What happened to the documents? Mark Lombardi, the uh, artist, you know, uh, his, his Who's family. Casalero? Buy... Danny Casalero. You've heard of the octopus? In what reference? Oh, my gosh. No. The octopus. Well, like... Uh, the, the the general idea is you think of an octopus and all these tentacles uh like there was a i think there was like a uh there was a, a native american reservation and there was drug dealing and there was you know it was so many different th- things that were all tied together and i'm pretty sure that okay. there were some bushes involved uh, and you know once again with the whole right versus left thing you ever notice how often when the bushes are involved so are the clintons it's because we have two parties you oh, know, dude. I mean, like, BCCI. They, all, they all hang out, you know, exactly. BCCI and the savings and loan scandals, the whole bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, dude. And, and yeah, you're not wrong, man. I mean, it, it is an interesting concept and they did such a great job covering it up, you know, but this stuff's coming to light. And I think that that's why they have to evoke characters like Trump. You know what I mean? Where where people are like, yeah, dude, this guy's a fucking yeah. different. He's an outsider. He's even finally going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, somehow this elite mm-hmm. fucking member of society out of New York that went to an Ivy League school. Um, I don't know if you've heard of the Sphinx Society. Have you heard of that? Mm, I don't think so. So it's out of the University of Pennsylvania, which is actually an Ivy League school. And this is it's basically University of Pennsylvania's skull and bones. It's the Sphinx Senior Society, it's called. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Egyptian references. It's a very, very demonic. I'll actually share the screen with you guys here. Um, but yeah, dude, it's um, let me pull this up. But yeah, dude, the Sphinx Society. And um, 
I mean, you get Permindex. I'm sure you've heard of Permindex, Philip. Uh-huh. He was the head of Resorts International. I actually just talked about this with uh, Susan Bradford. And um, yeah, dude, it, it just goes so deep. Meyer Lansky. I mean, you know, all these people are involved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. The Bronfmans and the Bronfmans tied to the McCain's and the Bronfmans also tied to Nexium. And it is, it's a web, man. It's the literal web, you know? That's mm-hmm. why I'm so glad that I, you know, I know a few like techies who are working on like applications involving graphing and taking comma separated values files and databases and like let's plug this in and turn it into a graph you know let's see how many nodes and how they connect and what ways that they're connecting and i'm like oh you know i I, i'm in this like group dm and like i don't know why i'm in there i'm glad that they let me in there but like and they're all like well you know you you might want to use the neojf for your python uh perl database i'm literally talking gibberish and any any techie will know that but like i'm trying to sound that's what it sounds like in my head that they're saying like i'm using some of the words i heard in the wrong way and like and i can parse some of it and then they'll start with the technical speech and i was like oh that's cool oh that last paragraph i don't understand at all and then they're so kind and they're like well you see what that means is and i'm like yeah because you know I don't want to ask him again, <laughs> but, you know but like, it, I'm glad that there are people working on that kind of stuff because we need to graph this stuff. You know, we need mm-hmm. to like, there's so much available data out there and it's tedious to put it together. So if you can find an algorithm or a script or a snippet of code that like connects the dots literally and then graphs them. Dude, I'm all about that. So I'm 100%. Really excited about that kind of thing. Yeah, 100, percent dude. It, I, you know, it's actually funny. They're working on a new website currently. So this is the the site, and I viewed oh, nice. them. I viewed definitely them just, see the skull and bones type. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and this is interesting. Like I said, I I viewed this. I think just like a couple weeks ago. It says leaders on campus since 1900. Now, campus. I don't think that they're referring to the campus of Pennsylvania University or UPenn or whatever. Um, but yeah, this is their logo. I think that what the campus actually means is, you know, the world. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, this is the 1900s is when a lot of really, really detrimental institutions began in the United States. You have the, the Harrimans and Prescott Bush and the Robert oh, Brown Brothers Harrimans and yeah, dude, Rockefellers. The and- FBI, dude, the FBI started in the early 1900s. The Federal Reserve um, you got multiple organizations. Those are the only two that are really jumping in my head right now. But all these people, for some reason, they seem to trade in currency. Their currency of choice is children, it seems, which is weird. It seems like they, they like to catch people. Blackmail? Exactly. You so know, were you finding a lot of that in yeah. your research? I believe that that's the part of it. I also think that in some cases, like the DuPont heir who raped his three-year-old daughter and then they were like oh well we'll just send you to house arrest and and you can be with your daughter that you raped and the daughter I mean, was like, in his custody still billions of dollars like i you know i i did not see anything about her being removed i'm pretty sure i would have remembered that i don't think it was specifically said so maybe they did remove her and they were just trying to be nice uh, for his name or whatever hmm. but house arrest for raping his three-year-old daughter. This is a DuPont heir. In some cases, I think it's because 
like, you know, you were talking about being middle class. If you're middle class or working class, you strive for things. You have, you can have goals. There's stuff that's fun that you've never done that you'd like to do maybe one day. That's like, you know, uh, whereas if you're a billionaire, what's fun? You've had every kind of fun that money can buy. You're doing side quests. Start trying stuff. Exactly. (laughs) Stuff that the money can't buy. Stuff that, that, you know. So I think that plays a part of it. Uh, Definitely. I think that plays a part of it. That and like I said, the whole compromise thing, compromising people, uh, whatever. Wasn't it Joe Biden's son who did that deal for that DuPont heir? Hunter? To to which? which, No, no, no. His son died. Bo. Bo. Wasn't he the uh, district attorney? of Delaware and didn't he give that that like I remember that's case specific I know somehow it's tied to the Bidens <clears throat> oh fuck how would I search that oh my gosh fuck what what, what was the guy's du- name DuPont heiress and Biden family I'll look that up I would not be surprised I you know I, I almost think like I you know I, I, I can't I can't be for sure but after you mentioning that um what what was the DuPont guy's name? I'm I'm on DuckDuckGo too. I'm all. getting that right now. Yeah, <laughs> hold on. Um Robert Robert Richards, heir to the DuPont company. Okay, so Robert Richards. Okay, this is a relatively short article. I'll um okay, so look. The DuPont Bo Biden defends judge who gave DuPont heir. Yeah, 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 you called it. Well, the DuPonts apolygraph a Biden, it says. Richard's daughter, oh, Jesus. Richard's daughter was about five years old when she described to her maternal grandmother, Donna Berg, um, a particular way her father touched her in October 2007, according to court documents. Berg immediately told her daughter, uh, I'm not seeing anything about Biden, but it does mention him. I want to try and just scroll through here and see if they mention Biden. Um. Yeah, man. Um, DuPont Air never got ordered care. The headlines often brutal follow DuPont Air gets no prison time for raping three-year-old daughter. One percent. Right. And then Bo Biden of- defended the judge's decision, apparently. Yeah, it was Bo Biden. Biden has now said she made the right decision because it would be difficult to find Roberts guilty in trial because of the weakness in the case. Also, Roberts, 48, quote, would not fare well in prison. You know what? Most people don't. Well, yeah. yeah so jail wasn't I, I've, too I've heard, fun, I've heard that prison that isn't fun it. for most people. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, maybe it might be fun for somebody, but I'm pretty sure most people don't fare well in prison. Yeah. I should have told that to the like, judge. That, I, I wonder if they would have. I was going to say, like, yeah. I didn't know I could say, like, uh, I, I'm sorry, Your Honor, you can't put me in jail. I would. Okay, so look here. Here's this. So. <laughs> So Bo was the attorney general of Delaware, like you said, James. Biden's office had originally charged Richards with two counts of second-degree rape, punishable by a minimum prison term of 20 years, according to a local news report from 2014. Now he needed to explain how his office allowed Richards to plead that down to no term at all. Wow. Good catch. That sort of reminds me of, what did they call it, the... The sweetheart deal with uh, Acosta, where it's like, no, you know what? Actually, you go free, 
and all named and unnamed conspirators, all named and unnamed conspirators are also immediately absolved. Dude, that had never happened in history. In U.S. history, that was the first. Like, I've heard of a sweetheart deal, but, like, that was the honeymoon. <laughs> and there's there's something crazy about Delaware. I feel like we, oh, we, yeah. don't, we, we ignore it because it's, like, it's such a boring-ass state. But it's, like, dude, uh, more and more now, I've been noticing all these synchronicities where it's, like, just these awful stories that come out of there. And I remember that Jay Parker dude uh, on the higher side chats years ago, talking about his uh, SRA experiences. And I thought it was a nut. He was a nut job when I heard it in 2016, but now more and more of the stuff coming out. It's like, damn, maybe that was a fucking for for real firsthand account. Like I I think we need to research. Well, you know, there's two things here. Um, Delaware has massive amounts of money laundering going on. There's so many corporations, both domestic and foreign, that do business there. There's headquarters out of Delaware for an obscene amount of companies. It's insane if you just look at it. Um, And this is even supported by, like, Google. And then there's also this little artist community called Arden, Delaware. And I did an entire episode on this talking about how satanic the Biden family was. And this is where Joe Biden grew up. And they call it an artist community. But if you go and you look at this city, a crazy amount of influential people come out of this little tiny, tiny town. It's not even a city. It's a town. Um, Usually when they call these things artist committees or or, uh, artist um, communities, they're just satanic in nature. Right. And it doesn't matter if you believe in God or believe in the devil. It's just satanic as far as they worship the darkness. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, dude, it's a farm for. Uh, for you know, uh, a certain Evil type rulers. of people or whatever. Yeah, right. Dude, yeah, yeah. It's actually charm school. Charm school for sociopaths. <laughs> and and I don't even know if it. It's hard to know if it's sociopaths or psychopaths because it seems like these people are very aware of their consequences. But yeah, it, it's got to be sociopaths, like you said, dude. Just because. How do you get this shit done? You know, it seems yeah. like you kill yourself uh-huh. if if you fucking did half the crimes that these people commit. And then we can't forget, too, that with Joe Biden, you know, pushing all the pedophilia, you know, allegations and all the weird shit we've seen him do, you know, sniffing kids and shit. He entered Congress, if I'm not mistaken, in 1972. And before he was actually even like sat in as a senator, um, his entire family without him in the car gets in a car yeah. accident. His wife yeah, dies. Yeah, I heard the Nixon call because he was the he was the freshman senator, and I've I've literally heard the call Nixon made to Joe Biden uh, that day. Yeah, and it's like, by the way, uh, uh, if there was a list of like the top hundred famous awkward phone calls that have been recorded, that definitely belongs on that list because it's like Nixon's like, well, or uh, uh, you know. Uh, I'm sure they would be really uh, er, proud of you. And, um, you know, uh, we're all rooting for you. And it's like, yeah, yep. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. President. (laughs) Well, dude, so so check this out, too. I'm going to see if I can pull up images. Um, Also, the this really, really infamous party in 1972, the Rothschild Surrealist Party. Have you guys seen the pictures from this? So yeah, this is from 1972 yeah, yeah. as well. All this the is... animal masks and stuff. 
Yeah, Salvador Dali inspired this. This is the Illuminati ball. Like all this weird shit. People with their heads in bird cages. And uh, there's no proof that I have, but I actually think the year, like the year that they did this, the the main attraction, they always have the year of the pig, the year of whatever. And it's based off the Chinese Zodiac. Mm -hmm. And this year was the year of the pig. And I think, in my opinion, Joe Biden was the pig king in this. They made him go up there. He had to sacrifice his family. His entire family was supposed to die. It was botched. And that's why he's run for president so many fucking times and never won. And now that he's completely gone mentally, now he's allowed to be Mm -hmm. president. You know what I mean? Well, that's the deal with the devil, right? Yeah. Like it's like the monkey's paw. You know, you can make a deal with the devil all day long, but the devil is a lawyer, apparently. You know, he knows how to screw you in the fine print. Yeah. And (laughs) that's why they say the devil's in the details, by the way. (laughs) Like, yeah. Those pictures are like, man, it just for anyone who doesn't believe still not as scary as the Podesta art art collection, though. Oh, yeah. But don't put that don't put that on the screen, please. I've already (laughs) seen the Podesta art collection. I don't need to ever again. (laughs) But for anyone who doesn't believe in the spiritual realm, just look at these pictures, man. You can feel entities just seeping through. You know, it's haunting. Well, look at this. And they weren't meant to be like that. Yeah, like that's they're not there in the the birdcage photo of that yeah. actress. Like they're they're in a a trance, man. It's fuck it, you know, man. They they just they mesmerize me. Yeah, look at that. I'm so glad I'm not super rich. Like <laughs> For being living my life on the poverty line has sucked a lot, but it could be worse. <clears throat> I could be like raised in a billionaire family that's like with you know those rockefellers or gettys or whatever like the getty family oh my gosh you know gettys and newsoms and pelosi's and they intermarry like they're freaking european royalty and what was it one of the getty sons made that like i still haven't seen that movie i'm afraid to see that movie uh like tried to make a movie he was like oh, the on spider the thing. something at the time i cannot remember the name of it but it's supposed to be like so like incredibly disturbing and stuff like subliminal uh, jihad did a really good episode on that movie dude look at this on the on the getty movie Ugh. look at her table oh <laughs> wow wow she's got milkers fucking strange man yeah i mean dude you know what's funny is uh me and my buddy matt from the great deception because they still do this illuminati ball every year and you can go and apply and me and Matt applied like live on a on a stream. And we were just saying that we wanted to go there and like live stream an event on the podcast. And it's like, you know, it's just it was just bullshit. But they they, they needless to say they didn't respond to our <laughs> request. I can't believe that, man. That's pretty rude on their part. I know. And we were gonna just like kind of like try and crowdsource the funds to go. I think it's like four hundred dollars a ticket. And uh we we're just gonna kind of go and see if we that, could you know. If you want to go to a huge like occult mind control ritual, uh Bonnaroo is only like three seventy five, so you could save twenty five bucks right there. Okay. Yeah. No, I just oh, want to the Illuminati <laughs> ball. That'd be kind of a big flex, you know what I mean? We should go right. to that Delaware art community, man. And just fucking, yeah. Matter of fact, I'll pull up some pictures. Yeah. 
Um, I'm interested in seeing that. In the meantime, Philip, talk more about uh, about your discoveries, like just looking into this this intensely disturbing topic. Yeah, Franklin well, scandal. Um, I mean, whatever you feel like is is appropriate to get into, dude. The finders. What, what, what what's one of the one of the ones that you uncovered in the book that you feel like because finders Franklin every researcher yeah, yeah, knows yeah, about yeah. that. You you know uh-huh. you've uncovered some stuff that not a lot let's of people go, really talk. Let's about. go back yeah. to the eighteen hundreds, okay? Because like there, <clears throat> there's a lot from like the seventies on that's pretty well established. But there's a gap in the record uh, of about 80 years, um, the Cleveland Street scandal. Uh, Not a lot of people have heard about this. Um, And to put it into context, the first chapter of the book, I talk about J.M. Barry, who was likely a pedophile, though quite possibly not a physical child molester. Mm. Uh, I say physical because I do believe that you can molest a child without physically touching them. Like, you, you know, your intent and the way you, you know, an, an unhealthy, uh, an unhealthy obsession can be a form of sexual abuse. Mm. Um, so I think that J.M. Barry and uh, Lewis Carroll, Charles Lutwidge Dodson, the author of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass, uh, you know, they were both, you know, quite likely, uh, it's, it's not a very controversial idea that they, that they at least uh, whether it was sexual or not, there was some kind of weird pedophilic uh, things going on. So, like that's that's just like a backdrop to show you what's going on there. Uh, you know, in the Victorian era, because the Victorian era there was a bunch of like sexual repression, but at the same time, dude, that I I swear I saw the like Masonic uh, compass there for a half a second while you were like was that on purpose, <laughs> like. Up oh. there at the top, and I was like, "Is that the is that the Masonic Square?" No, I was listening. Um, to shit. I was just like going to let people read uh, if they want. No, this is clearly a, a reference to like Boaz and Yahin. You got a uh, looks like a cow and right the bull. There. Yeah, yeah, the sacrificial. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, like uh, uh, one thing that really got me interested in Cleveland Street is you know I was really into like the. Uh, uh, you know, Baudelaire and Rimbaud and these decadent poets and Lovecraft and Oscar Wilde and all these kind of authors and things. And uh, then I learned about Oscar Wilde, like I knew about Oscar Wilde's trial. Then I learned about the Cleveland Street scandal and its connections because there are records from the old Bailey Courthouse. Uh, you know, it's believed that Wilde was being extorted. Mm. Uh, probably not the only, uh, you know, noble he wasn't a noble that's probably why he got scapegoated um but there were lords and nobles and you know people who were part of the court uh possibly prince albert was involved victoria's you know husband Hmm. um but i I feel like the cleveland street scandal it was the franklin cover-up of its day and the only reason why it was broke was you know found a little telegraph boy and he had four shillings in his pocket, which in the 18, like in 1889 or whenever, that is a lot of money because, you know, a shilling is a full shilling. It's not a halfpenny or a sixpence, you know, it's like sixpence is a shilling, right? Uh, and, it, or I, I forget how British money. Oh my gosh, it's worse than the way. Well, it's super complicated. But anyways, point being four shillings was way more money. That would be like, 
you know, at minimum wage, that's like a month, like four or five weeks worth of work at minimum wage. So why does this little boy have this money? Um, and they, they uh, you know, started to grill the kid and he explains about, uh, you know, this brothel. And they start, uh, it was one of the first major surveillance operations in modern criminology as well. So they start investigating this brothel and there was a supposed theft at the brothel as well, which I have no idea, but I want to believe that Oscar Wilde had uh, got some papers or something. He had he had some dirt on the other people involved in this. Uh, and I think there's clues to that. You know, at the same time, the Jack the Ripper stuff was going on. Uh, some people believe that Jack the Ripper was also tied to the court. Um, but uh, so Wilde may have been being uh, extorted. Uh, he may have been protected, though, by these like stolen items. And the thing is, and and once again, this all stayed undercover until the 1970s. Nobody knew. They buried this. And then somebody came across some paperwork 80 years later, and it's like, what? Um, but yeah, literally, and, and once again, it reminds me of the Kai the Hitchhiker case where it's like you've got this alleged sex predator. And everybody else who's in the court from your own defense attorney to the judge, to the prosecutor, are all in this little good old boy network. Like that's, it's a very similar situation there. Um, it, and, and there's also like clues in like the picture Dorian Gray uh, seems to allude to the Ripper murders and the Cleveland Street scandal. There was a, a negative review of, uh, I think it was Dorian Gray or one of Oscar Wilde's plays that someone like, it, it, bear in mind, nobody knew about the Cleveland Street scandal for nearly 100 years. And somebody, uh, a major critic of the day in London, wrote uh, how the book was suitable for no one but perverted messenger boys. Hey, why did you say messenger boys? What's the deal with the telegraph operators that are the telegraph boys operating out of a brothel? Uh, and once again, these were boys. These were not adults. Uh, you know, these were children. Um, Rent boys, right? Yeah. And Hamilton Cuff, who was the honorable Hamilton Cuff, prosecuted Wilde. He was in the papers. He was like in when they found the paperwork of like who is uh, that. That's why they covered it up when they realized, oh, wow, it is a bunch of really powerful people. And some of them have ties to the royal family. Are these yeah, the there right you go. Look at this. Look at this. Yes. Do you see this? Okay. This so we got everybody in the court. Everybody in the court was part of it. Like his own defense was into it, was into it too. So... And it's ironic that uh, Wilde was charged with sodomy. Uh, you know, homosexuality was his crime that he was charged with. And he got the heaviest sentence for sodomy ever given at that time. Hmm. Is that Wild listed like here? Did you, did you see him listed? Oh, no. Wild is not in the paperwork. Okay, I'm I sorry. I do, like, the, the, the stolen papers, that's why the, the fact that all these people, Hamilton Cuff and all these, you know, Arthur Newton, that's another one. Uh, you know, a lot of these people were involved in 
the uh, the the trial of Oscar Wilde and the fact that, uh, you know, the last two plays that Oscar Wilde did, one is about like uh, leading a double life and another one is about like, you know, hiding, uh, you know, hiding something of value, um, you know, to kind of protect yourself. And it's like it it seems possible, uh, you know, uh, it's at least plausible that, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's equally plausible that the reason why everybody he was surrounded by in that court was mostly involved in the Cleveland Street scandal is just the fact that that was the nobility at the time. But if that's mm. not the case, then the stolen items and the seeming hints in his writing do make me feel like it is possible um, that, you know, it was involved. And, and I also think it's possible that, uh, the, it, that it could have been tied into the Jack the Ripper case. Um, yeah, I'm going to be Oscar honest, dude, I've never heard of it. I've never heard of the yeah. TV show. There's nobody a- has. Nobody has. It's crazy. And there's an entire um, website dedicated to it, it looks like, though. You thank know, God, and- yeah, yeah. But, like, so little is written about it, yeah. Um, and, and one of the neat things, like I said, it was one of the first, like, major surveillance networks. Um, Arthur Newton, uh, okay. Uh, Somerset solicitor, Arthur Newton. Quote, quietly let it be known, says McKenna, that any prosecution of Lord Arthur would mean this is this is the original paperwork here uh, that they found like 80 years later, that the name of a very important person would be dragged into the scandal. Mm. Uh, Assistant director of public prosecutions named this VIP as none other than Prince Albert Victor, eldest son of the Prince of Wales, uh, grandson of Queen Victoria. Um, and it's possible that Newton might have been bluffing to keep uh, his own client out of court. Um, and then another guy's, if Eddie, the prince's name, if Eddie was involved, nobody will ever know. Well, it did take 80 years. Everybody Eddie knew was dead. The little boys that Eddie may, may have raped were probably dead by the time, you know? Uh, yes. But yeah, Arthur Newton was a client of the Cleveland Street brothel as well as defending Wild in court um newton shows up in the court um arthur newton um arthur somerset uh you know uh charles gill uh you know there's just like it could be a really big coincidence sure it could be a really Ah. big coincidence but it does you know like like i said in between the seeming hints in uh yeah lady windermere's fan uh the main character sacrifices their reputation uh, importance of being earnest is about leading double lives uh, but yeah no now, now uh, I, I initially believed I was like hey maybe Oscar Wilde was trying to uncover this stuff and then I found out that no he used to go to Tunisia with some French author and do the same thing he was probably just blackmailing other guys that did it to keep himself from you know trouble well and did so, you yeah. were you immediately attracted to like the i'm trying to word this right to where it makes sense and it doesn't seem like i'm trying to just straight up ask you if you're interested in homosexuality but it just seems like the the way that these things were done back then homosexuality was not as as prevalent as it is today especially like with this cleveland situation or the cleveland street it was illegal 
Yeah. It was you illegal. Had to, like, okay. Talk about they, being in the closet. You had to. Yeah. Okay. Illegal. Well, the you charge could, you know, was sodomy. It wasn't even the pedophilia that was yeah. the issue. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. It was like, oh, they uh-huh. were gay. Okay, yeah. well, then there you go. So, so There's Plenty of people were having sex with kids in the Victorian era. As long as it's a different race or a different uh, gender, gender, then, <laughs> and then it's apparently okay. Uh-huh. So then, so my question here is: is I mean, there's still got to be a lot of the same shit today. It's almost like it's it's like a dark art. It's a prototype. Yeah, exactly. It's a dark. It's almost art like the, there's the rubric. Yeah, yeah. At the, highest, at the highest level, Franklin scandal, exactly. Finders, Epstein. Uh, Beast of Belgium, Mark Dutro. It's well, dude, the same stuff over and over again. I'm thinking um, the Catholic Church is my main thing. Is where they they mo- these mm-hmm. these high elites they fuck boys. They don't really mess around with girls, and it's got a it's got an aspect of homosexuality to it. And I'm just wondering if there's something to a gr- like Nambla, right? I mean, like all this shit where mm-hmm. it's grown ass men having love they call it with boys you know make and that's what nambla stands for man uh what is it north american man boy love association yeah yeah uh, now I, I read a little bit about harry hay who by the way you know uh there's 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 a rift in in the uh gay activist community in the lgbt activist community okay. over harry hay some people want to say oh no he just wanted to allow nambla uh, to march in the gay parade. And then Fuck others that. point out, no, dude, he was giving speeches at NAMBLA conferences, including one at NYU. New York University was like, hey, why don't we have the, these guys come up here and talk about how we should have sex with eight-year-old kids? Like, that's that's something we could do. Yeah, you, you could do that. You, you could maybe do something else, though, maybe please well i mean um, you can't do that you know what i mean that's the whole point I, and that was what i was going to ask you know whether you consider yourself a, a lefty or or a conservative or a homosexual or whatever i think that we can all agree that this shit's off limits the shit is off limits yeah. like you know yeah, I, in you. my opinion these people need to be there's no you know the, the whole push for maps you know minor attracted persons let's call them that instead of pedophile pedophiles because pedophile mm-hmm. is a scarlet letter dude i think that what they should be called is this is broke this this guy's broken and and there's no fixing there's no fixing this you cannot fix someone that's like that in my opinion and i've never been touched or anything and and you know i've never really known anyone that's gone through that but um yeah but if you if you've heard a kid like that you need to be separated from society and absolutely. especially children just yeah and 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 if you do your time and whatever and they give you therapy and stuff that's great but then <sighs> once again you still need to be away from kids forever and if you right. end up around kids you should go right back to prison no no parole I think that we can all agree on that dude no matter what <laughs> side of the aisle we sit on and I think that that's important um but I, unfortunately, man, I think that this is going in the opposite direction. I think that it's actually becoming very, very, um, I think it will be included in the LGBTQ, whatever fucking letters added on later community. I feel like that. that oh, Supreme there's a guy Court that wants to do that. Yeah. For that. Uh, Dr. James Cantor, who is uh, one of the dudes with the group Prostasia. Um, if you know about. Uh, uh, Noah Berlatsky and, and, and that group, they're, they're, they're big on pushing the map positivity. 
they had a chat room. Um, it allows kids 13 and up to discuss uh, their, uh, you know, issues. And I'm like, oh, so you've got a pedophile chat room that allows 13-year-old kids? I don't think that's mm. a good idea. And they're like, going to lower that. You know? That if, age. They're going to lower it. Uh-oh, we're frozen. We start talking about we start talking about this shit and he gets frozen. <laughs> no good, James. You're making I was, some, you're making oh, some good points, dude. Thank you, bro. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, dude, prepping for this, I was listening to uh, some of uh, Phillips' other uh, interviews. This he, he gets his shit frozen in the middle of stuff like this frequently. I can think of, I, I can't name it specifically, but literally, right when we get to these type of topics. The the huh. connection starts fucking up. I, I, maybe that's just you know uh, us being crazy, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Zoom's a bunch of pedophiles. Probably. Sorry about that. Yeah. I think I got discoed there. Sorry about that. All good, dude. I saw. So this is a, a complete sidestep. Are you there, Philip? No. Are you there? Yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah. This is a complete sidestep. Your picture on your profile when you're frozen is you wearing a mask. <laughs> Are you a mask wearer? I live in the Philippines and I'm not allowed to go outside with that one. So yes, I'm a mask wearer. <laughs> I mean, okay. you know, or I'll I could just completely I could completely disrespect the laws of the country that I'm in and not be allowed to go grocery shopping because they will not let you in without a mask. I mean, like, you know, well, I can be, a, will I can be the you. classic ugly American. But I'm an American and I shouldn't have to wear a mask. Y'all, y- y'all do your own <laughs> rules, but I'm an American. We don't follow rules from other countries and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do I that. Dude, I forgot about the oh, yeah. The Terte yeah. is wild. <laughs> that dude wants to kill gay people, doesn't he? I don't know about that. I don't Is that know. just Western media fucking... Uh, Okay, let me tell you one thing. I don't like to get too much into the politics there, especially... Yeah, don't say nothing that you're not comfortable with, dude. Right, right. But I will say this, and I'll leave it at that. Um, Before I got here, you you hear the terms Duterte or Marcos, and immediately, oh, wow, that's that awful dictator who was horrible to their people. I mean, but, like, don't say that too loud in the Philippines, because, like, 80% of the country fucking loves those guys. Okay. But, but what's to say that the people who live here should be allowed to decide? I mean, we're America, damn it. We should tell everybody what to do. <laughs> and I don't like Marcos and Duterte, so you shouldn't either. And it's like, you know, now I know people who have been like, and they're like, because Duterte sort of had that Trump thing going on. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. He just says some fucking crazy shit, and it's hilarious and funny sometimes. <laughs> He's a big old troll. I, I enjoy that about him. I did uh, too. You know, uh, about him and like they're they're characters, okay? But like, I know people who were like, no, I, I didn't like Duterte, and I still don't like him, but I like what he did for the country because mm. it's safer, and you know, some things are better, you know. Like it's a lot safer, apparently. Um, you know, I, I it may be dangerous, more dangerous for certain populations, and it would be dangerous for me in an election year as a reporter who doesn't want to end up as an unregistered foreign agent in space <laughs> frame. So uh, I'll leave it at that. Like, no, when people ask me here, like anytime somebody said, What what do you think about Filipino politics? 
Uh, I think that America has spent too many decades telling Filipinos what they think about Filipino politics. And I don't want to carry on that tradition. If you want to talk about Filipino culture, Filipino uh, literature, Filipino art, Filipino history, Filipino food. I have opinions on all those things. Just ask, you know, Filipino comics. I love all that stuff. I will talk about it for, for hours. Ask me about Filipino politics. What's my opinion? My opinion is my opinion shouldn't matter because I'm not a Filipino. I love that, man. Honestly, I like that. Yeah. Uh, we should do a fucking because um, I feel like a lot of Americans, uh, the expat life is looking pretty tempting, you know, oh, and uh, I love like, America, like especially from a distance. It. You know, <laughs> you, ever, you ever had that like family member and you love them until you're around them for a while. And it's yeah. like, oh, man, no wonder I never. And then you then you miss them when they're not around until you think about them. And then you're like, yeah, but we never get along. And that's me in America. Like, I love America. And it's so much easier to love from 9,000 miles away. <laughs> How funny, dude. I, I, I'm sure you're right about that. You probably don't see many people there with political uh, campaign slogans on their hats or on their T-shirts. Right? Yeah, yeah. Screaming and people street. disagree on politics. But for some reason, they can still go to the same church or, or sit down at a table and eat or yeah. have a family get together. What a concept. That's like America in the 90s that I grew up in. Back yeah. when you could have a different opinion from someone and still be friends. Oh, man. Of course, that was back in the day when uh, people on the left were anti-war and anti-censorship and, you know, just and anti-corporations. Whereas now, whether it's BlackRock and Vanguard and Pfizer and, you know, it's like, dude, what <clears throat> happened to the people who like... And I'm not for violence, but some folks busted up Seattle in 1999 because they were anti-globalism. Some leftists who were anti-globalism. And it's like, now, it's like, it's, it's topsy-turvy land. Yeah. What's up is down, man. Yeah, dude. You know, we could probably literally talk all night here on our side or all day on your side over there in the Philippines. Um this was a great conversation. James, thank you so much for just introducing me to Philip here. And, uh, and, and thanks, James, as well. Uh, likewise, yeah. Well, I, I hope that we can talk again, whether it's about, you know, Let's the Franklin it, yeah. scandal, whether it's about F Filipino culture and anything but politics and Filipino. <laughs> anything but politics. I'll uh, tell you all about my favorite comics and, and books. And, you know, uh, by the way, the book Insurrecto. Hey, what do you know about the bells of Balangiga? Nothing. Nobody never heard that. I've never heard those words. I didn't know until I moved here. Okay, there was a massacre where an American battalion in like 1905 or whatever killed every man, woman, and children in this village and then stole the church's ancestral hundreds of years old bell. Don't worry, we gave it back in 2017. Oh, why would you want hey look it's the bell that represents when we killed innocent children why would you want that bell why would you want that cursed item you know like that's, and they, that's a and they brought it back to hold on to spoils of war that represent Duterte said uh, you know hey Trump we want the bells of Balangiga back and Trump's like I love yeah, how okay, Trump bro. gave it back 
Yeah. You know, like, I mean, like everybody, everybody hates him, but like there's at least five things that he did that I am very much for. There's the farm bill. There was him trying the bit with the HHS. There was the bells of Balangiga. I can't remember the other two, but I'm sure they're there. North Korea. <laughs> I mean, North Korea talking. Oh, yeah, at- yeah. Fuck, I was there. I had I like I was in Singapore for that. Which, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. what an experience. Like, I remember after the conference. Uh, you know, when I find it, I'll find the video and send it to you. Like you have to, like, we had to get a still of the video. Cause like, we're sitting here and we're like videoing, like, you know, my editor's one way, I'm the other way. And I remember like, when you see the, the motorcades come out, cause we don't want everybody to know which one of those black tinted limos yeah. has the president in it. Right. Yeah, sure, sure. And I remember one and I'm standing there by the road with my camera and like I remember the window rolls down and the like straight out of a movie secret service guy. Like like the stereotype of a secret service guy, except he was like right here in the window. And like there was just something it was so intense, just his body posture was so intense. I was like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to wait a minute i didn't even do anything you know like, <laughs> they're almost like, like those guys are robots like ai little yeah, bots yeah 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 it was it was it's like and and i know it's probably like military training and like the protocol or whatever but yes it had that whole uncanny valley like he comes so out through funny. the window and it's like he came from nowhere the window's down then like right as he's passing me too which is the worst part but no we got like a clip of that and it was so fast that you literally had, we had to freeze frame it to get the picture of like, the to get dude. a good glimpse of the dude. And he's like, you know, oh my yeah. gosh, it's so scary. Like I, I'm getting chills just thinking about it, but it was a heck of an experience. Yeah. And hopefully they weren't like eating a child in that limo. Like we right? kind of alleged that they yeah. do. Yeah, man. <laughs> Dude, this is an this was an incredible conversation. I didn't expect it to go this long, and I didn't expect to cover all the shit that we did. Um, but yeah, James, you never failed to deliver, dude. You need to start your own damn podcast. You really do. I think that any anytime you get on, and anytime you bring, uh, you know, whether it's just you by yourself or you're bringing friends on, um, it's always a fun conversation, dude. So I appreciate it very much. Um, I'm not gonna put any of this on Patreon. I'm just gonna release the entire episode because we got into your book so late into the episode, dude. So um i'll start with you philip plug your work um any websites that you got anything that you want my listeners to just know about man well uh as i mentioned before you know if you want a copy of the book and can't afford it i understand uh there are many books that i can't afford and you know uh need or would like uh and so i know how that is so you know if you want a copy of the book uh you can email me uh Kafka guy, as in Franz Kafka, Kafka guy at gmail.com. If you can't figure out how to spell that, Phil Fairbanks, Fairbanks as in Alaska or the kind of banks that don't exist, PhilFairbanks.com. <laughs> <laughs> you know they don't exist. I'm a Fairbanks, but like there's no money lending in- institution that's a Fairbank. Uh, but PhilFairbanks.com, uh, you know, there's a contact section, there's an interview section. Um, I'm also starting, uh, I'm co-hosting a podcast called Walking the Wire. Uh, you can go to walkingthewirepod.com and find all our link tree with the, the YouTube and the 
uh, anchor and, uh, you know, as well as our personal, you know, uh, BZ Douglas, my co-host and I, you know, links to our stuff. Uh, but that's going to be a lot of fun. If you're a fan of the show, The Wire, we are bringing on like like we've talked to a Afghan war veteran and an ex-dealer who uh, became a BLM organizer and uh, a mayoral candidate from Euclid, Ohio, who, you know, was fighting corruption. And I'm talking to an FBI agent who worked white collar crime. And, you know, like we're going to have some wow. awesome guests on this show. It's going to be fun. So if you're a fan of The Wire, check it out. Um, and, uh, oh, you're a musician. Um, we, we are also seeking covers of Tom Waits' Down in the Hole, which is the theme song for the, uh, for the series. And in each season, it's covered by a different person. And so we want, like, multiple covers of Way Down in the Hole, if possible, uh, to start the show with and everything. And, you know, we're going to have a Patreon and everything. And one of our first goals is, once we break even and it's not costing us money to do this, then money starts going to like, you know, uh, our resident Baltimore expert, who's uh, he's our Baltimore producer, we could call it, uh, and the musicians who help us, uh, you know, do covers. That so, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. But uh, walkingthewirepod.com or at walkingwirepod on Twitter and I'm at Kafka guy, or just find me on philfairbanks.com and you can find my email. There's a contact form. Not sure how well the contact form works. Probably best to email. And if you don't hear back from me, it's one, it, it's, it's been one of those days or weeks where I had a backlog. Uh, and so if it's been more than three days, bug me. It's not bugging me because I lost you in the slush pile and I didn't mean to. I love talking to people who, whether you, you've read the book or just heard me on an interview, like, you know, that is probably one of the coolest parts about this whole thing, you know, finding other people who are on kind of the same page, are on kind of the same journey, and, you know, sharing sharing info, and, uh, you know, sometimes just, you know, uh, being supportive of each other, even, because, you know, it's, it's, it's dark stuff out there, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when you get into some of these topics, which like, th I think probably the best thing to leave, uh, I, I like to leave on a positive note, like, you know, always remember that like, you know, uh, paranoia may be uh, a heightened state of consciousness, but being paranoid is a liability. Okay. So don't get counterproductive. Don't get uh, paralyzed by fear. You know, don't get demotivated and depressed. Don't do their job for them fight that fight the negativity fight the demotivation fight the depression don't let them win okay stay positive and that includes like i said if you get the book whether you buy it or or uh get a copy from me take breaks you know uh listen to some bossa new bossa nova or whatever makes you feel chill you know for mm -hmm. me bossa nova and always sunny when i'm like just just need to like flip the switch on like uh uh my 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 mood button or whatever but yeah always sunny is a great way to just numb your mind it is a great great oh, show yeah. and you mentioned you mentioned some social media there man you need to get on instagram for sure that's a good podcast resource and that'll that'll definitely help okay. you and I, I we'll talk a little bit more after we close out this episode but james cool dude you you have i've obviously we played a few of your songs on the podcast here, like the one that you and I did together the first time. 
how's nephrectomy doing, man? You guys doing any shows? So, uh, yeah, we, so I'm just going to go ahead and announce it on the podcast because, um, yeah, uh, we don't have a flyer yet, but we are doing a mini tour in Texas, uh, June 24th, 25th, 26th. It's going to be San Antonio, Corpus Christi and Houston. We're playing with some badass bands, man. And, uh, come out we're going to be doing a uh basically it's funny we were talking about cky jackass and stuff um we're going to be filming basically doing like a diy uh dvd um of the mini tour so we're going to be filming every show you know so if you come out get wild you know have fun with us um punch uh, your dad (laughs) exactly punch your dad uh do do some gay stuff get addicted to drugs (laughs) Um, no, but, uh, no, it'll, it'll be awesome. It's going to be Goons Fuck Gone yeah. Wild, Texas, um, June 24th, 25th, 26th. Come hang out with us. Um, and, awesome. uh, congratulations. Thank you, bro. Um, but yeah. And, uh, also we can do that wire cover. Uh, we have a home studio. We'll get working on that please, ASAP. Please. And, uh, if you need a recovering addict who's, uh, you know, in the, we know, want people from every, like, you know, we, we've got an ex-dealer. We've got, like, you know, want to get some cop whistleblowers. Uh, you know, the, the FBI is in it, so I talked to an FBI agent. Like, we want everybody. Damn. We want a dock worker who's a member of a union, you know? I mean, like, as many of the world, a school teacher, a local politician, there's so many worlds that The Wire explores, and we want to represent as many of them as possible. And find out hey what 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 looked right what sounded right uh and what didn't feel right you know because that's what i'm loving is like people oh man it was so real oh except for that and it's like i love that you know no no give it to me we're you know we love david simon's work we love the wire but you know nobody's uh nobody's ineffable or infallible uh and you know it's good to hear from people and their own experiences of like so what was the most realistic and what isn't and has uh, did that change because it's been 20 years now or you know that kind of thing yeah oh yeah dude yeah i uh like i said we'll talk after we're done for sure just briefly um james did you have anything else you wanted to plug man anything your social media anything like that uh, yes, so my personal IG uh, at El Chapo Gonzo uh, hit me up. Book a podcast. I love talking about crazy shit. Um, and then at Nefrectomy Official, that's a band page. We're making shit happen. Whole bunch of new shit coming out. Uh, check out our album that dropped in January. Meet. Me. Um, yeah. Fuck yeah, guys. Hell yeah. Awesome, dude. This was a fun, <clears throat> fun conversation. I love these episodes I where I don't have to research. Yeah. And I can just have like a fun time. And just, just rip. About, yeah, yeah. Yeah, talking I'll about I'll be crazy. honest. Yeah. Like people have me on to talk about the book, but I'm not going to lie. My favorite episodes, the ones where at least 40 to 50%, we go off on random tangents. You know? I'll plug the book at like, the beginning, brother. I, I'll make sure it's, that it's people know. It's depressing stuff. It is. It's, it's depressing, depressing stuff. But so it's, it's, it's fun to get off on other tangents, though, because, and it really is, a lot of this stuff is uh tied together and connected in some ways yeah 
100%. I'll plug the book in the beginning so that people know about you and know about your work before we get into the episode. I always do a little introduction for all these things. So yeah, uh, just a blast talking to both of you. Honor to meet you, Philip. This was really fun. And um, same. like I said, we'll speak really quickly after we end this. But guys, the oh, listeners yeah. here, um, make sure that you guys stay safe. You stay informed. And, uh, you know, we're living in a crazy time. But, um, you know, having conversations like this just kind of puts things into perspective. It's all fun and games, man. We're uh, we're trying to make our way through this dark world in the most positive way possible. So thanks again to both James and Philip. Blast of a time here I had. So, guys, thank you so much. And you'll be hearing from me very soon, everybody. Take care.